Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Little Birdie told me yesterday that uh, Conor McGregor was in Crosshaven uh, driving a blue Lamborghini, apparently. Well, he's at the weekend. Yesterday, I think. I guess he wouldn't have been driving the Bentley because didn't the Copperoonies take that off him? So he's got, I'd say he's got, give him a different motor car, a different sports car, a different luxury car for every day of the week. But they're saying... And if it wasn't Conor McGregor in Crosshaven driving a blue Lamborghini, it's somebody else just as wealthy who looks a lot like Conor McGregor. So if you spotted him, do get in touch. Text 0868-104-106. Maybe he had a chat with him. Maybe he had a selfie. Maybe he had a pint in Cronin's. I don't know. Maybe he went to Chish and Phipps. Chish and Phipps even. Uh, for for Chish and Phipps, I suppose. But certainly it was hot as hell. Um, and uh, Well, I mean, it could have been hotter, but it certainly was hotter than Madrid, according to the pair of papers this morning. The Mirror said the weekend weather in Ireland was hotter than Madrid and Venice. Wouldn't it be great if it was always that way? Always hotter than Madrid and Venice, but say la vie. Uh, unfortunately, very sad and tragic news right across the weekend, right across our county, actually. Barry Roach covers it on the front of the Irish Times and has been uh, posting stories all weekend uh, online. Uh, Gardaí are continuing to question a 42-year-old man about the fatal stabbing of another man at his home in Carrigaline in County Cork at the weekend. The other man, Shane Murphy, 27-year-old, uh, died. Um, and uh, his dad, 75-year-old Weeshi Murphy, who actually uh, called the guards and raised the alarm, uh, he also was badly injured. Now, Carrigaline stabbing is the front of this morning's echo where the guardy continue to question the 42-year-old man. Uh, the body of Shane Murphy was found in the upstairs room in his home at Seaview Avenue in the town of Carrigaline, half three in the morning. Um, now, the Mirror this morning say that Shane died protecting his dad. Shane was a pitch and putt champion, well-loved in the community, fabulous sportsman, and apparently he was trying to protect his father from a knife attack in the family home, according to the Mirror. In fact, the son goes even further with Anne Mooney saying that he was knifed in his sleep, and, and my apologies if I'm being very graphic, but these are the stories making the front pages of newspapers. She says golfer was in bed during the attack, and the suspect, the 42-year-old man, is due to appear in court uh, later today. Tragic bid to save dad is the front of the star today. Pitch and putt star Shane Murphy died trying to protect his elderly father from a frenzied knife attack. Gardaí continued to um, to uh, question the man over the incident. Grona Braher, Garda Station, I believe. I will come back to this story and others in a few moments' time with Barry Roach. But then there's the story of a man beaten on the head with uh, a hammer in a city break so that makes the papers today as well a man aged 20 uh, understood had been beaten with a hammer some intruder got into his home um, and also attacked his mother who was in her 60s she was also attacked this is up around the McCartan Villas area around College Road not too far from it on the south side of the city uh, over the weekend and um, and there was also um, another one or two very very sad and tragic stories to report to you which I will come back to as well from Buttevant uh, with the death of a man uh, a 62 year old man in a house in North Cork now Gardaí are investigating that hoping that the forensic tests on a number of potential weapons Barry Road says um, amongst them uh, a knife uh, will clarify exactly what happened to that man. Uh, in other news this morning, for I will be returning to those, there are COVID-related stories, clearly, and uh, much of them have to do with the impact on businesses because Cork's business community is experiencing probably one, of, probably the worst, certainly one of the highest levels of workplace absence since the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and, you know, I could be here all morning talking about numbers and hospital admissions and 
ICU, but people are still getting COVID and they still have to isolate and they can't go to work. In fact, the nurses' union this morning are telling the Mirror that hospitals aren't safe for anyone uh, anymore. Uh, they're not safe for patients, they're not safe for staff, that the health service is no longer a safe environment for anybody, including healthcare workers or vulnerable patients. There's nothing to be proud of, actually, a statement like that. At the same time, when you have 23 bigwigs within the HSE who earn over €400,000 each, so more than 23 of them uh, in the year of 2020 um, had salaries of over €400,000. In fact, one staff member uh, had a take-home between 640 and 650,000 euro. Isn't it incredible money within uh, the public sector? Um, uh, 10,000 homes then are for sale in Ireland. Now, that might sound grand if it was just across Cork City and County, but that's the whole of the blooming country. They also have increases in house prices across the country in the mail today. And if you hone into to Cork City, if it was 10% last year, you can add another 4% onto it so far this year. So you'd be buying a house... You're going to be paying 14, at least 14% more than you were, say, of January of last year. And how are we going to solve crime? How are we going to, well, we're going to have to have more deterrence from people who are caught engaged in criminality. And one way is to have a minimum 20-year sentence for all murders. So this is something that Helen McEntee is considering. Um, I don't know whether she'll give the powers to judges to do it or she will insist on judges doing it. But minimum 20-year sentence for all murders. There's a lot of other things being considered within the Department of Justice, including passing the legislation to allow uh, members of the Garda Shikonich to use body cam. Uh, and also zero tolerance, totally and utterly, no excuses, straight to jail, no messing on anything to do with domestic, sexual or gender-based uh, violence. And, you know, I know that there were chaotic scenes at Dublin Airport over the weekend. Much of it is to do with people wanting to get a bit of sun. I mean... Why would you even want to go out of the country with the week we had last year, last week? But what can you do about that? But apparently revenue at the passport office is continuing to rise. So they're making plenty of dosh. Um, apparently nearly 14 million um, before the first quarter of 2022 will be over. That's what the kind of money they're taking on passports. But it's still in absolute chaos. Absolute chaos with 100,000 people a month now applying for passports. Uh, lines are open. You can text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. So back to those stories that I start with this morning. I'm joined by Barry Rhodes, Southern correspondent uh, with the Irish Times, and he joins me by phone. Barry, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you doing? I'm well. Um, so much to get through from over the weekend. Would you mind if I started with Carragher Line? Because I believe there's a court appearance this morning with regards to this 42-year-old man. Am I right? Yes, Neil, you're correct. A very sad story emerging over uh, Saturday morning from Carrigaline. But as you said, there's a 42-year-old man. He's due to appear in court this morning at the district court. He's going to be charged, my understanding is, with murder and attempted murder. And it relates to the death of 27-year-old Shane Murphy, a champion pitching putt player. He lived at Seaview Avenue in Carrigaline uh, with his family and his... Um, in the early hours of um, Saturday morning around 3.30... Uh, we understand that his father, Weishi, who's 75, was taken by taxi, I understand, to CUH, suffering from a, a wound to his neck. And in the course of him going there, it emerged that there had been an incident at the house and the armed support unit of the Gardaí uh, entered the home at Seaview Avenue where they discovered Shane Murphy, the 27-year-old son. He'd been stabbed, uh, had a wound to the upper torso, chest. I think they, they would have had paramedic training, so they attempted to uh, resuscitate him, and then paramedics arrived, and again attempted to resuscitate him, but unfortunately uh, they were unsuccessful, and he was pronounced dead by a doctor. 
Um, seen was cordoned off as you would expect Dr. Gardy requested services to the pathologist's office Dr. Margaret Bolster came did a preliminary that was around lunch or 12 o'clock perhaps maybe it's like earlier but by then Gardy had begun a search and they arrested a 42 year old man who would be known to both uh, Shane Murphy and his, and, and his father he was arrested in passage uh, around 8am or shortly after 8am he was taken uh, to Gronobar Garda Station he was held under section 4 of the Criminal Justice Act for questioning about the attack on Shane Murphy and his father and then at some stage on Saturday afternoon I think questioning was suspended because the man wasn't well and he was deemed to need medical treatment and he went to CUH. Clock stops then, doesn't it, Barry? Clock, clock stops yeah. then, yeah. yeah. So he went to CUH. But then he came back to Cronenberg Garda Station. My understanding is late on Saturday evening. Questioning resumed, continued all day yesterday and went on till late last night. And obviously Gardy would have been in contact with the DPP throat informing the DPP of what they were learning from their questioning of the, the suspect. And we learned this morning then that he is to be charged with the murder of Shane Murphy and the attempted murder of Weishi Murphy and he's due to appear in the district court this morning. So Do we know anything of Weishi Murphy's condition at this point? Uh, it was, there were very, his condition was described as serious initially but, um, and it probably still is but it's not life-threatening my understanding is and I presume over the coming days Gardy would be hoping to talk to him. They've probably taken some statement already but take a detailed formal statement from him. I presume they're dependent on doctors giving them the go-ahead to do yeah, that. Yeah. But he's, he'll, he'll come through but obviously a huge tragedy for the the Murphy family ended up talking to Councillor Michael McGrath or Seamus McGrath my apologies on um, Saturday and he was saying you know really respected family well known in the area very involved in Pitch and Put and I see Pitch and Put Ireland uh, issued a statement uh, yesterday where they were expressing their sympathy and sadness to the family uh, I think they play out of Raffine Creek and have connections with Rock Lodge, Rock Lodge Pitch and Put Club as well plays for Ireland he doesn't he played for Ireland yeah. and would have been really well and 27 year old young lad like so there's a, there's a really nice photograph I think released by the guardie of um, him with his dad yeah. lovely looking young fella uh, and you know 27 very young and obviously cut down his prime so a desperately sad situation so a lot of the, the tabloid stories are, are are they just speculative about protecting his dad and actually being asleep and things like that you know? the, yeah that's one of the lines of inquiry guardie were um, I was inquiring about that and that's still to be clarified but that was one of the suggestions emerging I think from Carrigaline on Saturday that he may have been uh, attempting to protect his father. It's not clear the exact sequence whether both attacks took place simultaneously or whether one was attacked before the other. But that's certainly one of the things that's uh, in the mix, as it were, whether or not he may have been trying intervened or whatever to try and protect his father. Clearly, everybody in absolute shock down in that area. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, as you just mentioned there, you know, you wake up on a gorgeous Saturday morning, the first thing you're hearing is this. I mean, I'm not living in Line, but I heard it about 8 o'clock. And I'd say if you're waking up in the town, you'd just sort of say, Jesus, you know. Yeah, known to everybody, of course. Yeah, known to everyone. And, uh, you know, it's just desperate, desperate tragedy for everybody involved. Really, yeah. really sad. Yeah. And, uh, of course, we also were reporting at the weekend, and so were you, actually, in the papers and online, um, the death of a man in Botovant at a, a house at O'Brien Terrace. Yeah, that, that man died on... Um, Thursday night, Gardaí or the emergency services are called there about half nine. There is a lot of uh, Gardaí are being sort of very um, coy, I suppose, in this and not really an awful lot. But what we do know is that a 62-year-old man, uh, emergency services called and he, after the man's partner alerted them, uh, they arrived, they tried to resuscitate him, but again, he failed to regain consciousness and he was from the state of the scene and Gardaí began an investigation. Dr. Bolster again was called. She carried out a post-mortem in the man's body at CUH on Friday. Gardaí 
you know, the standard is they don't release the results for the post-mortem for operational reasons, but my understanding is that the man had at least one serious injury that could or may have contributed to his death. It's not clear uh, with any great definitive certainty, I suppose, on that, but Gardaí are hoping that forensic tests and a number of potential weapons will clarify what exactly happened in that case. They're also wait, waiting the results of some toxicology tests taken at sample mm. or taken at, at post-mortem by Dr. Bolster. But, uh, and they've, they've carried out door-to-door inquiries in the O'Brien's Terrace area of... Um, so they don't, they, don't, they don't know or they haven't released as to whether they have an attack? They haven't released it and they're, they're, yes. they're being very um, yeah. discreet. Operational or, or reasons. But operational reasons, but yeah. the whole thing. But um, they've also sort of been checking for CCTV to try and find out when the man was last seen alive. Uh, there's a family liaison officer working with the man's partner and they hope to take a detailed statement, witness statement from her, I think, uh, in relation to events over the coming days. And anyone with information, the man is originally from Cork City, uh, but he'll be living in Butfin for a time, so anyone who's any information that might assist them in their investigation, they're asking them to contact Malagarda Station on 022-314-50. So, um, but, we again, do, yeah, but we do know, don't we, that the Gardaí are certainly looking for a masked man from Saturday afternoon um, on the south side. Oh, yeah, that's the third. I mean, it was, it was three extraordinary, tragic incidents in Cork over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on Saturday afternoon, uh, Gardaí were um, called or alerted to uh, an incident on McPortonville. Would you be near kind of the College Road? Yeah, Road College, yeah, down, I think we turned down by um, the Credit Union there on, on Bandon Road. It's down in there between the, the College Road and Bandon Road, effectively. Um they got a call, a man in, broke into the, this house at four o'clock Saturday afternoon, broad daylight. Uh, we understand he was masked and he attacked a 29-year-old man in there, gave him a, a beating with a hammer. Serious, very serious assault. Uh, the man's mother, who's 65, uh, tried to intervene with stand and she was also injured in the, the assault. The man was rushed to uh, by ambulance to CUH and he underwent emergency surgery on Saturday evening. Uh, and he was in a critical condition and he does remain in a critical condition but stable so we're presuming that he may very well be sedated still following his surgery but the inclinations are a bit more positive today I understand yeah. um, Gardaí appealing for information to the public door to door inquiries carried out but they're also um, they began harvesting CCTV footage from the area of McCartan Villas which really Terrace College Road Bandon Road to try and identify the culprit Gardaí are sort of familiar with the area uh, in terms of CCTV because if you remember, um, they would have uh, harvested CCTV footage from around there as part of their investigation to the Paul Jones murder in Bandon Road back in uh, 2019. No, that's, this is completely unrelated to that. I must stress there's no, no, nothing connected at all with that. But it's just that they're familiar with uh, CCTV cameras around the area, so that, that would assist them in it. But it would, but uh, 4 o'clock in the afternoon, so would dash cam, wouldn't it? And dash cam is the other thing, yeah, traffic passing. And it was interesting, actually... Just by way of an aside, when you're uh, covering the Paul Jones murder trial, the important role that CCTV footage actually played in terms of, uh, of identifying what happened there uh, in, in that in that case. So CCTV is becoming more and more uh, a, a vital tool for Gardaí in investigating these types of crimes. Uh, so they're, they'll be harvesting that and, as you say, appealing to motorists to have dash cam. Um, the man, as I say, they're keeping an open mind, my understanding is, on a motive for the attack, but it's really shocked people, as you say, it's only near UCC, it's probably only 15 minutes walk from the city centre, uh, and they've appealed to anyone who has any information or can assist Gardaí in any way to contact Anglesey Street Station on 
2200 or uh, the Garda Confidential Line in 1800 666 uh, Very, very sad weekend Yeah, I mean, again, horrific thing like, you know, Saturday afternoon, glorious sunshine and you hear the story emerging that right in the city somebody gets a literally a a serious, serious assault, a hammering with a a hammer and uh, I mean the man is, uh, and we don't know what you know, long term uh, for the man. Their head injuries, yeah. Head injuries, you know. He's, my understanding is that the, the, the word coming from CUH is that uh, he will survive, but in what state? You know, that's I was sensitive, it was also, and hopefully he will make a 100% recovery, and his mother as well, and our thoughts are with the entire family of Shane and that his dad Wishy will make a, a full recovery in, in Carrigaline. Yeah, you're not across that story from the, the Mercy Hospital, are you? I was sending some video footage the weekend, the most extraordinary I didn't, thing. I just, saw, I just saw a piece in the Echo about it, to be honest, the chap public... Very order. physical altercation with yeah, members yeah, of the public uh, and, and what looks to me to be, I don't know, it looks to be security staff. At one stage, it looks to be a, a, somebody, a medic and scrubs got involved trying to get them away. One, one character has a baseball bat oh, that's trying to get in the door. I mean... I mean, in, in a hospital situation where people are dealing with uh, with um, treating people who are seriously ill and in, in life-threatening situations, they don't need that sort of hassle, do they? Unbelievable. Unbe- a porter comes along in scrubs, apparently, and drags two of them clear of the door. Own English is covering it in the examiner yeah. this morning. But the video footage lasts about 90 seconds. It's a real set to. They're trying to get in or something. There have been cases, I know Liam Healan has covered them in the district court, of people causing hassle in emergency um, departments mainly, I think, more the mercy than CUH, but I mean, the health service is under enough pressure, as without we all this, know, from COVID, yeah, yeah. Uh, and everything backing up without uh, sort of getting people, uh, presumably, tagged up on something or other, uh, wading into it and adding to their woes and adding to their difficulties. All right, listen, thanks for covering all of those stories for us this morning. I do appreciate it, as always. Barry Rhodes, Southern Correspondent with the Irish Times. A man in his 30s, incidentally, was arrested for the public order offence after the Mercy University Hospital incident. Video footage was captured on a mobile phone from a high window across the road. Somebody sent it to me. You got at least three of them. One, with the, one guy's got a baseball cap on and two got hoodies on and they square up to three members of the security team on the steps of the hospital. They're roaring and screaming and kicking and punching and doing these runs at the door and runs at the security staff. At one stage then a porter comes running across the road in scrubs and drags two of these characters clear of the door, gets everybody inside and from what I can think happened next, locked the doors. Then this woman arrives and puts her bags down and she starts roaring and screaming and kicking at the door and roaring and screaming at them to open it, kicking at the hospital door. Um, video ends then at that stage, but obviously the guard, he got involved in a 30-year-old a man in his early 30s, arrested on suspicion of a public order offence, uh, filed on to the DPP. You can text 0868104106. Very sad weekend. Back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. You betcha. I've said it before. I'll say it again. Anybody carrying a knife, we need to get really, really serious about it. There is no reason in the wide earthly world that acceptable for anybody to come up with an excuse for being stopped and being found to be carrying a knife. I think it should be really dealt with so seriously. There should be absolutely no mitigating circumstances whatsoever for anybody. It's like carrying a gun, in my belief. What excuse could you come up with that a guard would have believed acceptable to being carried, carrying a gun, uh, or a court for that matter, on a court appearance? And all of these suspended sentences and listening to all of the reasons and mitigating circumstances as to why somebody was carrying a knife, we just need to stop listening to them. We've got to get really serious about it. Knives are absolutely deadly and there's no reason in the wide earthly world for anyone 
to be carrying them around. A lot of people say it's for their own protection. Sorry, not good enough. Just not good enough. Text 0868104106 on that and for anything else that may be on your mind. Now, I spoke to Linda at the back end of last week because Linda was going to dress Olina and uh, Tony's menswear uh, was going to dress uh, an ass because they arrived into Ireland, of course, and everything they had in their car above in Dublin in an underground car park was absolutely ransacked, trashed and stolen. And then the interior of their car was covered in the robber's blood because he or she smashed the window. Uh, and there was a big outpouring of generosity. Amongst the generosity, of course, was a €10,000 GoFundMe that was set up to them for them. And I believe there's been some criticism of that. This is what I'm told. Um, let me just find out. Linda, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Firstly, did you, um, did you dress uh, Olina, I wonder, over the weekend? I did, of course. Um, I helped her out as much as I could. And, you know, I offered, you know, a lot of stuff to her. Good. But she declined most of it because she? she said they're very minimalistic, you know. And I offered, to, like, she didn't take stuff just for the sake of it. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, offered some stuff to Annis as well. And again, he said they would give him more than enough from Tony. So he didn't take any more either. Well, it was a lovely um, offer on your behalf yeah. and on behalf of Tony on Marlborough Street. Now, what's the, the other string to this bow, to this story, if you like? So the reason I'm bringing in is because a uh, uh, customer actually encouraged me to come on. She said because um, she said she heard of all the negativity behind it as well. Mm. Um, and I was just mentioning the story to her because she heard me on the radio. Yeah. And um, like when they pulled up, you know, in, in my park, they had a beautiful Jeep. And the story behind that is they were after putting whatever savings they had over the last few years. Um, into buying the car and they said without doing that they would have never been able to get to Ireland right, okay. you know, that so, would have been a jeep uh, that they drove across Europe and then yes. when it came to Cork yeah. it probably had a smashed window did it? it did, it All did right. indeed yeah okay. Okay. and like some some person I don't know where it was, where it happened but they put like a 20 euro note on their windscreen so they obviously heard the story um, but what they told me is they actually even came off social media themselves because of the backlash they were getting no, tell me um, about that. I haven't seen any of that. I'm anxious to hear I, Yeah, I personally didn't see it myself, Neil, because um, I just stayed away from the social media side of it because I just wanted to help the family, help the, the couple, you know. So they were just, just telling me, you know, that there was, you know, comments, you know, saying, oh, look at them, they've a fine Jeep and they've a fine bank balance now, you know, with their GoFundMe page. But what they explained to me is what they're going to do with the GoFundMe page is... Anything, you know, they're just going to cover the cost of uh, replacing their laptop and, you know, tablets because he works in uh, graphic design and she's a psychologist and helps businesses set up. So they offered me their services as well, you know, as a thank you. Um, and New business startup, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's the, it, the, you know? Obviously, people weren't listening to my conversation with an ass on Friday morning when he said that. He said, we don't need €10,000. We want it, to come yeah. up with some way of sharing it and distributing it to those that need it. It's not as if they're taking ten grand and legging it. No. And, it, yeah. and anyway, did they even set up the GoFundMe? It was set up for them, wasn't it? They didn't, they didn't ask for a GoFundMe. 
No, it was, it was someone set it up for them and, you know, what they said they're going to do is, you know, obviously there's people, you know, mm-hmm. that don't have, you know, they don't speak English as well as them or, you know, would have the contacts, you know, since they've come to Ireland. So they're going to pay it forward by bringing, yeah. you know, yeah. people into the country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, as I said, to be honest, Neil, I didn't actually even go into social media or anything or see the bad comments, but hearing from people and customers that's the feedback I was getting, you know, and um, I was speaking to Tony as well from Tony's menswear and like they're such a lovely couple. She shed a few tears because, you know, she was so grateful for what we were doing for her. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I touched a little bit on the family side of things, but if she starts getting upset, so I just kind of veered away from that. There was criticism um, of, I saw over the weekend, and even I started to get texts on Friday morning as to why Anas didn't remain behind as a 28 year old and fight. Um, yeah, 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 he's uh, yeah, he's actually um, yeah, Anas is actually uh, from Morocco. He's Moroccan, uh, so he's not he's Ukrainian. Moroccan, so the law Ukrainian, in Ukraine so. is sixty-year-olds and under must That's stay right. and fight. So he didn't have to do that because he's actually Moroccan. Exactly. Okay. Um, you know, so again, people think you know. Oh, and then there was other people saying that and wondering why he didn't go to Morocco. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but know. look, they're here. They're they're going to settle in Wexford. Um, you know, for a little bit. Uh, there was a, a business. Um, some man up in Wexford actually offered. He had an office, so he's converted it into um, a bedroom for them, and yeah, he's okay. hosted them for the next two two, mo- well two done. months. Well done. To but me. I just want to say they're such lovely people, and like people shouldn't judge. Um, you know, until they hear their story or at least meet them, you know, uh, because there's so much negativity around people you know, it's it's good to bring the positivity. Oh, you know, without a doubt. I saw, but did you see that citizen journalist at the weekend who went to Dublin airport to where the refugees were being processed with a camera and did you see that? One of the security I guards came up to him. And then a guard came and took his name and stuff. He was he was videoing live. He was chatting with a bunch of men who seemed to have come in with the refugees from Ukraine, but they're actually from Kashmir. Um, and that that is a worry, incidentally, if other countries or yeah. people are coming in under the umbrella of Ukrainian refugees fleeing war. But he was making a point to what he was asking them their age. It was it was rather upfront, actually. He was asking very personal questions. And the lads were trying to make out that they were over 60. Now, they didn't look. He was wondering, why didn't you stay and fight? And they were saying because they're over 60. Well, I think they didn't fight because they're Kashmiri and they're not Ukrainian anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but the only downside yeah. to that was that they didn't look over 60 to me. One or two of them looked as if they were in their 30s or 40s. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, like, basically, like, they went on and there, there was a few newspapers as well, to, you know, to, um, took their story in regards to they just wanted to thank the Irish people for their generosity. You don't think sometimes we be- set up GoFundMes too quickly, do you? Just as a, by the way, like everybody throws a GoFundMe at everything. And I know it's a lovely, generous I, thing to do. Yeah. But, you know, there's a lot. I know that we have a lot of people here who are homeless as well, Neil, you know. Um, and people are saying, oh, we should be helping her, our own. Um, but look, it's it's nice to give back when we can. And I suppose when you hear the story, you know, it's, it's up to each individual, you know, whether they want to donate or whether, you know, they want to help this couple out. Um, but like anyone that knows me, I get involved in all different charities. Um, and it's just a uh, way of me, I suppose, giving back. back you know? off the, so back off with the criticism is what you're saying. Yeah, exactly. All right. Okay. That's all right. It. Thanks, all right. Linda. Well done. Okay, thank you. All the best. Bye. Lovely chatting okay. again. I mean, GoFundMe's are great. You know, people set them up like that and before you know it you've got big money coming in it's usually for 
um, a cause that touches the heartstrings. Does anybody remember Dobby the Cat, the GoFundMe that was set up for Dobby the Cat in, in Vietnam, trying to raise money to get Dobby the Cat, a street cat, back to Ireland with the chap from Cork who, uh, who took Dobby in and, um, you know, fell in love with Dobby. I mean, it's his pet. He absolutely loves Dobby. There's a big GoFundMe set up. I think that was over 12 months ago and it raised, I think, at least at least 10 grand. I think it, I think it closed at, at, at 10,000 euro. That was a GoFundMe. But did Dobby ever actually come home? Or did not home, but did Dobby ever get relocated? The idea was that Dobby would be brought to Cork, go through the quarantine and the injections and the flight and all that kind of thing and come home and live in Cork with uh, the chap who took uh, Dobby in off the street. Just... I don't know if it ever happened. And, and, like, what happened to the money? This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Chap in the, in the Lamborghini down in Crosshaven was not Conor McGregor, I'm being told. Uh, it was a local businessman who happens to look like Conor McGregor, I'm told. In, he's similar to him. He has a matching electric blue Range Rover as well, as well as the Lamborghini. So not Conor McGregor. Apparently he was, uh, he, he, he also has kids thinking he was Ronaldo and others thought it was Messi. When he's doing the school run, he attracts a lot of attention. So we were chatting with him, but I can tell you 100%, he's not Conor McGregor. So um, certainly, apparently he may well look like him and drive cars like him, but he gets confused for him and others. Text 0868104106. Back to a very serious and sad story out of uh, Seaview Avenue in Cargilline over the weekend. Eileen, good morning. Hi Neil, how are you? Now you know, I'm well thank you, you know the Murphy family and you knew Shane Murphy because you played pitch and putt with him. Yeah, I, I know Shane and I know his dad, Rishi. Yeah. Um, and it's it's just very, it's just kind of, can't take it in really and understand what's after yeah, happening. Yeah. Exactly, knows? you yeah. know, yeah. who knows? Um, his dad, Rishi, had spent a few hours chatting with my uncle in the Pitch and Putt Club on Thursday, yeah. I think, yeah. because he was working nearby. And, I mean, you know, it's hard to understand that 24 hours later, this happened. Now, Shane, I, I know Shane since he was juvenile, playing Pitch and Putt, around 16 years of age, yeah. but we know his dad a long time. They're heavily involved in Pitch and Putt. Yeah. And it's it's just hard to take in, you know, um... And I suppose I just send in a text because because he was part of our club. Now he's only part of our club with the last few years, but he's been on the pitch and putt circuit since he was a juvenile. What club is that, Eileen? It's not. No, we're he's in. No, he started in Raffine, but he's been with the Rock Lodge Pitch and Putt Club um, out here um, near in Inniscarra towards Ballincollig. He's been with Rock Lodge for the last number of years. and in fact, my husband's played a round of pitch with him the week before last, oh, and no, he was so yeah, and he was playing with our senior team who were involved in county league matches there over the last number of weeks. He'd been playing and had been playing last Sunday with them, you know. He and, was obviously um, very gifted. Very, very gifted. A lovely young lad. He was gifted as a, as a juvenile. Now we, she took him everywhere to play and compete and everything. But you know, a, a, a lad who has a natural ability was gifted, as in, you know, he he it just came effortlessly. To and him. I wonder, now, did he play with Weishi, his dad, when he was very small? Is that where he got the the love? I of suppose. It? I I mean, I suppose that's where Weishi had always had the interest in in juvenile pitch and pot in Cork, and so I suppose you know, um, mm. he he was they they lived down there. It's not too far from Raffine, so he was he was playing there. But I mean, he won titles as juvenile, and then he went in on 
to win All Ireland titles. In fact, he won um, in 2020 the All Ireland Stroke Play final was in Cork, so he won it up in the St Anne's Club in 2020. It's a lovely um, in fact, we only yeah. yes, we only got photographs printed recently of him, and then he had won. He was a beaten semi finalist in the match play in 2019, and he was he had won another title prior to that, but. But then, you know, I, an unassuming young lad who, you know, was very popular with his pitch and putt players. And that's where my connection and our connection with him was really, yeah, you know. not just and pitch and putt I hear. He was a big soccer fan. I don't know whether he was he Man was, U or was it Liverpool. But also he was, well known in gas circles because he, he, he must have played yeah. a bit of gas. Yeah, I, I, I don't know about that. But he, he, had, he had begun to kind of change his focus from pitch and putt to golf and apparently oh, right. um, he had played in golf in Blarney Golf Club for a while and only recently he had been accepted as a member in Kinsale Golf Club right. which which he was always hoping to be you know and, so, and is that a natural progression for somebody who's really good at pitch and put that they equally can be bigger, better or as good or better with playing golf um, for helps, some players some players it helps but but some players would find the two games very different you know um you'd you'd i i wouldn't be so sure that you'd be an all ireland pitch pitch and put champion and you might not be as good in golf some yeah. players would find yeah. a different game completely but yeah. Shane seemed to adapt very well and it's just like as i say i i don't know anything else about that only their sporting side of thing and, and what's the, the atmosphere in Carrigaline like I, I, I don't really I, I'm, I'd say they must be shocked and horrified I mean my sister lives in Carrigline and she she would meet we she on a regular basis basis or in cafe they'd be having a, a cup and whatever and um, I'd say they're they're shocked and horrified all I know is in, in, in Rock Lodge we were just absolutely numb with chalk when we heard it because 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 we see them regular and I'm sure you know yeah. I just we just couldn't comprehend what's after happening to think that this this and he was a fine, good-looking, tall, strong lad. Yeah. Exactly, and to think that that he's not around to play anymore. And you know, lovely comments going up on the pitch and pot page and whatever. Yeah, I saw when, one of the neighbours yeah, saying he was lovely, a lovely lad, yeah, gentle, yeah, with a great yeah. personality, loved yes. by everyone he was in contact with. Loved and by without, every- without dwelling on the point too much, but the tabloids are saying that he died protecting his dad. That's so tragic. Yeah, I suppose you know. Yeah. The only people who know really what happened are are Weishi and and the other person involved. Yeah. You know, so yeah. so like yeah. specula- like yeah. speculation is always right. You know, but I You're mean, right. I see a post from um, Offaly County Board um, up to say um, that's the Pitch and Put County Board saying that that the guy had been speaking to to Shane on Thursday in relation to the Irish Open Pitch and Put, which is taking place in Tullamore later on here, and he had been speaking to him, and and Shane loved that course, and he was looking forward, and he. He said, look, as soon as the entry form comes down, have my name in. And, and then you know, three, four days later, his family are planning a Yeah, family. exactly. You know, it's just, oh, like, oh, life is precious. And we, isn't that? We just don't know. Isn't it? You yeah. know, that yeah. Yeah. Like in, exactly. in the blink of an eye, it's gone. In and the blink of an eye. is robbed of his gone. life. Yeah. I yeah. Know, I know. Um, it's just hard. Listen, you know, that's all I just Thanks, Eileen. Thanks so much. Okay. And, and thank you, Our condolences thank you with his family much. and all of his friends and you yeah. included okay. and also those that yeah. played with him. Thanks, Eileen. Thank you, Neil. Thank Text you. Text 0868 uh, Back to an ass, actually, because uh, he was on the air with me on Friday and then, of course, the whole idea was to try and help him out with a bit of clobber, clobber and that happened. Um, but apparently there was some negativity online, I'm told. An ass, good morning. Good morning. Good morning um, how are you? How's Olena? How was your weekend? 
We're good. We're good. Thank you so much. Okay. Yeah, we're we're in Wexford County right now. And you're gonna? Are you are you living with somebody there? Did somebody provide you with yes, uh, accommodation? Yes, we're with, with with such a lovely family here. Honestly, uh, they 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 were kind enough to to host us here. Okay. And okay. So, so you were you yeah. okay? You were you were happy to come back on just to address some of the harsh comments since Friday <laughs> and across the weekend on Twitter yeah. and Facebook? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, uh, I think uh, yeah. Honestly, like you know, it's, uh, it's not surprising. Uh, I would have to say that uh, I think we all know how social media can be very poisonous sometimes. That's your that's um, your area. That's where you work in, isn't it? You work in exactly. Yeah, media. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, it can turn into I a mean, free for all, and people were criticism of the ten critical of the ten thousand euro GoFundMe, were they? Exactly, exactly. Well, they were critical of that as well of the fact that, uh, well, they were saying why, did, why didn't he stay in Ukraine to fight, which I think they didn't take the time to read that I'm not Ukrainian. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, you're Moroccan. Uh, yeah. Yes, originally. So the, um, so the law that was there in place is for Ukrainian men under the age of 60 to fight, isn't it? Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, you just, did you just happen to be in Ukraine working then, is it? Yes, uh, I was, as I told you, my, my wife, I mean, Olena is Ukrainian, and we've been living there for a couple of years, exactly, like, uh, yeah. you know, working, basically, in Ukraine. You, did you uh, answer any of the criticisms as to why you didn't stay no, to fight? Honestly, you know, uh, I'll be honest with you, like, you know, I don't even, uh, I only have, like, you know, a Twitter account, and I don't oh. use Facebook or Instagram or any other social media, uh, that's my job, but um, I do it for other people. I I don't have my own personal accounts. I'm not a big fan of. Uh, do you have your own Twitter account? Did you any get any grief on your own Twitter account? No, actually, okay. no. Yeah, okay. as I told you, I'm not very active on social okay. media at all. Actually, because okay. like, okay. so, I know we um, did touch on the the, the topic of the ten thousand euro on Friday. What's the plan with that? Uh, so. Uh, exactly. Given the fact that, like you know, that is like now at this point, I think it's like you know, six times more than six times the the goal that we put, which was uh, uh, three thousand euros. Um, what is it at now? Eighteen. Uh, I think yeah. Right now it's around eighteen thousand euros. A lot of uh, money. Which I mean, like yeah, I mean. It's 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 honestly it exceeded all of our expectations, and 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 we. Uh, we made it clear, actually, in an interview with Virgin Media as well, that it even exceeded our needs. And so uh, we we are now working. We started contacting uh, other people, and we're trying to give back to other Ukrainians who we're sure uh, would be in worse situation than ourselves. Because, uh, as you know, I, I think it came through your uh, through your uh, platform, yeah. like you know, uh, Tony. And uh, Mr. Tony and Noel from yeah. uh, from Tony Fine Clothing, exactly, yeah. and uh, Linda from LD Boutique. Yeah. They offered us clothes. Um, the Lord, uh, the, the Lord uh, Mayor of Cork, offered to to fix the car for us. So, uh, you know, honestly, are your, ne- are your needs few? Your needs don't stretch to eighteen thousand. Is this and it's continuing to climb? Exactly. Yes. Well, but, you- but that's the thing. But but uh, the whole point of like you know the GoFundMe page for us was only to fix the car and buy like you know the, the, the like what we lost basically. So uh, you was know, there the criticism end, over what you were driving as well? It's a big big Jeep or something, is that right? 
Uh, I did not see honestly. Okay. I didn't see that. Okay. But uh, but yeah, I assume of course as I said, I assume there will always be something secret. So uh, that's uh, the online world, absolutely. Um, although exactly. maybe maybe somebody might be entitled to say, well, what is going to happen with eighteen thousand euro if your needs are few? You know. In fact, you know, we actually put an update on GoFundMe page, and we were uh, very like you know. Uh, clear and direct about that with with all of our like you know all of the people who who were kind enough to donate for us we we asked them like you know here we we explained the situation we told them that hey we got way more help than than like you know than what we need actually yes and uh, we told them like you know here here's our idea we're thinking about helping other ukrainians who are certainly uh, we're sure there are certainly other people like you know who, okay. uh, who are in worse situation than ourselves. Okay. And, and then, uh, is, know, it, is that what you're going to do with it? You're going to give it to other Ukrainian families? Exactly. And okay. honestly, like the feedback was so amazing. Like you know, because we asked for for the donors' opinion as well, like what they, what they think we should do with it. And uh, most people were saying the same thing. Like you know, uh, they said like you know we. We, we gave the donation without any, like, you know, unconditionally. And That's so yeah. you do with it what you see fit, yeah. but we're glad that you're trying to, to help other no, people. No, in fairness, you come across to me as a very open and honest kind of a guy, in fairness, and a lovely couple to boot. There Thank also you. was some criticism as to why you came to Ireland and not Morocco. Yes, exactly, yeah, there were. Uh, but uh, honestly, like, uh, we, you know, I'm with my wife and, like, she, as a European, I don't think Morocco is an easy place for her. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, and I saw... It's that a nice place to go on holidays, is it? But not a nice place exactly, to live exactly. if you're not a Moroccan exactly. woman, is it? Exactly, okay. exactly. Just for a visit, yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing place. But to live in, yeah, I think it's a very masculine society and, like, you know, with the religious uh, factors and yeah. other stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's not the right place yeah. for, for, for... You had heard that Ireland was open um, and inclusive and welcoming. Exactly, exactly. And, and you know, we both speak English and so, you know, out of other countries we also thought that, like, okay. you know... That's, okay, uh, that's And when you came in, you were provided... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry, yeah. Just as my wife explained also in the interview, like, you know... Uh, we we did not want to go to a place where we would just be getting like you know help from government or from people and just like you know just basically just do that just get support like we wanted to to be in a place where we can work give back like yeah. you know to the community and who knows maybe like you know within a couple of months we'd be the ones also like you know giving back to and helping other Ukrainians who are in need as well. So that so you have a PPS them. number, don't you? To and you're that would allow you to work here and to earn exactly, income here and yes. pay tax here. Yes, and yeah. that was one of the first things we thought of. Like from the very first like week, that's all we've been trying to do is to try to get work. And you know, I mean, we we have. We have a certain set of skills and like yes, you know, okay. uh, long yeah. years of experience. So we, oh no, go for it, go for it. And did you also get a medical card? Uh, no, not yet. Not yet. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I think you probably will. But also, I want to express again my appreciation for for like you know for the wholehearted donations. And I mean, uh, I think it goes beyond what words can describe, honestly, because we feel really, really humbled by by the altruism and generosity of, of Irish people, and uh, and and I think, like you know, 
I might sound here a little bit like, you know, uh, philosophical, but uh, we believe that we're all humans at the end of the day on this planet, you know, and the situation where we are right now, Ireland was in just a, just like, you know, a couple of years ago, you see what I mean? Like uh, when, 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 when millions of Irish people had to, to, to migrate to yeah. other countries. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're sure this could happen to anyone around the world, to any country. And if we don't come all together as humans, I believe that, like, you know, I mean, there is no one for us except ourselves. I yeah, absolutely. That, Listen, and for, for what it's worth, you're here now. Uh, do, what, do what you think is best with the money helping others. You're working. Get on with it. Be happy, both of you, and have a good life. Thank you so much. Okay, Thank you. Man. And we're trying, actually, uh, we were trying, maybe he's here in this. Uh, we were trying to to reach uh, uh, Mr. Ruslan Musharski. Uh, he started a shop in 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 in, uh, in Dublin to that that provides essentials for free for all Ukrainians. And we thought the idea honestly is amazing. And like you know, but we couldn't get his contact number. So if he hears this, I hope he contacts us back. Uh, like you know, we we would love to help as well with some that. of the proceeds from your GoFundMe account. Exactly. Fantastic. Yes. Yes. Listen, well done, well done. You've got good plans ahead. Good luck to you, Nas, and to Alina as well. All right, thank stay in so touch. Much, thank you so much. Of course, thank you so much. Take care. Cheers. Back after ten. Text 0868104106. <laughs> Call the Neil Prenderville Show now on the new number, 0818-104-106. Uh, just quickly, we'll pick up on this and lots more after 10, but Jim says, just a few questions regarding taking in refugees from the Ukraine that I'm hearing on the ground as we do our day's work around the city. You might be able to answer them, or maybe some of them might need legal clarification. And he sends me four points. Sorry, sorry Jim, but I, I don't understand the first one, but I'll read it out anyway. When one person rang the Red Cross to offer a home, they were informed that it was a six-month deal and they would prefer a one-year agreement. Um, like, don't really understand who, who they were. The Red Cross offered six months. The family wanted to give 12 months. So just take the six months and if you want it to run on, it'll run on. Uh, what happens after this period if the people do not want to go home to U- Ukraine? Where do they go? Two, if the people you give refuge to do not fit in with your way of living, such as they have a drink problem or they're bad-tempered, can you get them removed from your home or are you stuck under signed contract? Point three. Actually, no, you're not. I did hear clarification of that last week saying, you know, if things aren't working out, then you can retrace the steps and they can be re- relocated somewhere else. When they arrive, will they be fully vaccinated and will they be medically checked for other things such as TB to protect our elderly? I believe so. I believe there are extensive health checks at the uh, refugee centre at uh, Dublin Airport, the processing area. When the war is over and some of the refugees want to stay in Ireland for reasons such as the fear for their lives if they return or if their home's been destroyed, will the state then provide housing for these people or what is the plan? Well, I believe in that case with a PPS number and a medical card and all of the same paperwork that anybody else who gets landed immigrancy in Ireland they would be on the waiting list like everybody else. If you're asking me, would they be prioritized on that waiting list? I do not know. But as Jim says, you might ask people if they have any other questions they need asking or even get someone from the Red Cross to answer a few on air. Kind regards. Well, I did. Uh, they, they were on air with me 
uh, only about 10 days ago answering lots of questions like that. Anybody else has got questions or would like to respond to what Jim is saying, please do so. Text 0868104106. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. 104 to 106 Red FM. This is the Neil Frienderville Show. And indeed, starting this morning, Cork's Red FM wants to give you the chance to win the ultimate 15,000 euro wedding prize. It's an association with Best Menswear, Michelle the Jewelers and Cinderella's Closet. So we cover all the bases here and uh, we want you to win 15 grand towards a spectacular wedding day for yourself or someone you know that's getting married. And it's good to have the two or so years out of the way where people were restricted as to when they could get married and how many people could be there. So, we want you to win this 15 grand. Five grand to get suited and booted thanks to Best Menswear. Five grand for the finest wedding dress from Cinderella's Closet. And five grand to spend on the jewellery of your dreams at Michelle the Jewellers. You want to get further details, go to redfm.ie now and pick what will be your first dance song. And then just stay listening. When you've got that done, come back to the radio, stay listening, and you're in with the chance of winning that 15 grand prize. Um, I might just drill into that a little bit later in the week as to how many people even remember their first dance song. (sighs) Me included, incidentally. Anyway, we'll come back to that. Actually, talking about weddings, you see that story that's uh, doing the rounds online where the wedding guests were high as kites. Apparently, this is a a story from Chile where a man... um, baked a special layer, a special layer for his sister's beautiful seven-tier wedding cake. But in one layer, he put marijuana. Um, that was the bride's wishes, apparently. The, all of the guests were totally stoned, or at least those that ate that slice. They were as high as kites. He baked a marijuana-laced wedding cake for his sister. Um, and the story is making the runs online. There's a lot of stuff, actually, um, in this ever-changing world in which we live in. You know, I heard that story there in the news with regards to um, Will Smith uh, smacking Chris Rock uh, in the chops. Um, there's video and audio going around for that. And what's been lost in this, actually, is the fantastic film, of course, uh, that uh, Will Smith featured in, playing the part of Serena and... Uh, and Venus Williams' dad. So he was nominated, and uh, the guy who's anchoring the show, Chris Rock, had some interesting things to say about about um, about Will Smith's wife. This is the audio. I've had to censor parts of it. You know who's got the hardest job tonight? Javier Bardem and his wife are both nominated. Now, if she loses, he can't win! <laughs> Praying that Will Smith wins. Like, please, Lord. Jada, I love you. G.I. Jane 2, can't wait to see it. All right? <laughs> it's, that, was a, that was a nice one. Okay. I'm out here. Uh oh. Richard. <laughs> Jada, of course, Will Smith's wife. Oh, wow. Wow. Will Smith just smacked the <laughs> out of me. He took my name out your <laughs> mouth. Wow, dude. Yes. It was a G.I. Jane jump. Keep my wife's name out your <laughs> mouth. I'm going to, okay? <laughs> I can, oh, okay. That was a... Greatest night in the history of television. No, I don't think so. I think it was the most awkward 
night in the history of television. The Oscars or the Academy came out and made a statement after that saying the Academy does not condone violence of any form. And that was it. Well, that was on the stage last night. Talk about awkward moments. Thank you, whoever you are. They sent me a photocopy of how expensive can things be in Ireland when you're out and about either visiting places, going out for a bit of food or lunch, or in this case, a scone. I mean, you can't argue with the receipt. It's there right in front of me. Uh, The Cashel Palace. Uh, Three scones with tea or coffee. Three scones, which to me reads as three scones, three teas or coffees, 45 euro uh, in cashel. I mean, could you beat that? Just do the division on it there. Um, That's 15 euro for a scone and a cup of coffee. That baits all. Neil's got a new number. Call him now on 0818104106. A lot can happen over the course of a weekend of that you can be sure. Grace, good morning. Hi, good morning. How are you? I'm slaying And did the new, did the little baby arrive over the weekend? He arrived last night at six minutes past eight. Very, very quickly. We were chatting on air on Friday morning and the, and you were, te- you were telling me that he was due, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah. So I was induced a week early on him. First baby? First baby. James, isn't it? James Liam. How was the labour? Oh my God, it was so intense and so fast. It was about five hours. It was, they were actually so intense shocked. and so fast and it was five hours that's a working day for many people unbelievable they were shocked they were saying like no 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 you've been out of way now we'll be Monday morning five hours and is not fast they were saying no like, it's actually go time you need to go now like <laughs> there was no stopping it like you said five minutes or fifty minutes I'd say fast was there much pain <laughs> involved Grace yeah a lot of it but I did it with just the gas and air so well done so James was born on Mother's Day Mother's Day yeah lovely for you and also for your mum Kathleen that was the reason we chatted on Friday wasn't it it was yeah for the the flowers yeah yeah did you win anything on Friday did we come back to you no because I I sorted out and put aside here's what I put aside one of the afternoon teas at Castle Martyr for you for ma'am oh. and for James in a small little buggy. Oh my God. Thanks so much. When you're up for it. How's your appetite? Definitely. 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 <laughs> Are you still in? Yes, I'm still in. Um, all going well, hopefully. We should be going home tomorrow. Tell me about James. I'm her- I hear he was born with a mullet, was he? Oh yeah, he has a mullet, a big jet black hair on top of him. <laughs> and he's as good. He's so good. Are you besotted? Oh, it's unbelievable. And I know... I haven't even slept yet. I'm I, up over 24 hours. I know. Can you have Can you have visitors? Where are you? I'm in the CUMH. Can you have visitors in there? What's the deal? Um, you're allowed. You're nominated one, so it'll just be my partner. What's his name again? Keen. And can Keen go in and out any time he wants? I heard there was restrictions reintroduced. It's um, with himself now. What they say is between seven a.m. to eleven p.m. Ah, that's a long day to come in. There's no problem so there. Yeah, it's very good to have him here yeah. now. Like it's just they're very tight now with the minute of COVID. And I know, but back in the day, so you could good. have brothers and sisters and mams and dads and aunts and uncles coming. None of yeah, that. No, sure. that's what I used to do with my nieces and nephews. Come up to see them. It's it's so different now. It's just FaceTime, like. And was he in there for the labour? Oh, he was. He he actually was sent home. 
because they said come back when it's active labour. And he was only gone about an hour and a half. <laughs> and he actually, there was the car was gone from our home, so he had to run. <laughs> and he made it just in time. Where did he run house. from to the CUMH? Toker. <laughs> but thank God he wasn't too far. Would you not have thought of jumping in a taxi or something, no? He just ran. He just bolted. He just he went on to autopilot. I was sweating. <laughs> Was he oh any God, help? He was he any help? And was he nervous, the poor devil? Oh, he was so nervous. Leading up to it, now during the week, he was like, oh, Grace, what if I faint? I was like, I'm not going to faint. <laughs> Did he say that? No. <laughs> so he was so good. Did he say that, <laughs> what if I faint? <laughs> he did. He was brilliant. Oh, my God, he was so good. I would have been lost when I was in there. And your mam, I know when we spoke about your mam and the stroke that she yeah. suffered and her decline in health, is she delighted with the news? Oh, she was bawling last night when we rang her. She was in floods of tears. She's so excited, like... I know. She can't wait to her home. She can't wait to welcome her daughter, you, and little James home. And when yeah. all is good, right? And Is that him there? Yeah. yeah, that's him. Is he chatting and everything now? He's probably due now. He's feed now soon, so... I thought I heard him say the words, Nana. <laughs> probably. <laughs> we'll start him young. He's an early starter, that fella. <laughs> Yeah, we bait the sandwiches and the creamy cakes into him down in Castlemar to no bother, all right? Thank you so much. All right, okay. Well, I'm delighted for you. Congratulations to you, to Kian. Welcome, much. baby James, James, and a very special hi to your ma'am, Kathleen. You'll spoil her down in Castlemar yeah. for afternoon Thank tea. Thank you so much for that. Not at all. Great to, great to catch up. Glad all went Me well. Too. Well done. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Chatting about that video that was doing rounds from the doors of the Mercy Hospital. Now, Gardaí are investigating that, as I said. Those absolute scum broke the glass in the doors of the hospital, you know. One caught his leg in the door and had to be treated in the A&D afterwards. Imagine that. Hospital staff accused of being too rough. Laws on the side of the thugs. It's a total and utter joke. Well, nobody could criticise anybody working the Mercy Hospital when those characters came along to the front door. No one could criticise the staff. And in fairness, the guy who came along in scrubs, he changed the narrative totally, or he changed what was happening. He just weighed in and dragged a couple of them out of the way. Thankfully, he wasn't hurt himself, but it was a very brave thing to do. Um, and there's more texts on different topics, including GoFundMe and issues like that. But in just some general comments. This is more of a hack than anything else. I saw this because we're talking about the price of, of groceries and supermarket shopping. And Zach says, bear this in mind, with Aldi and Lidl or Tesco and Dunn's, if you spread out your groceries, it slows down how fast the cashier fires them through. Um, no details to be given, Neil, in case they bump me off for revealing this top secret. God only knows you are so right. Because sometimes they can be so fast lashing those things through and you're trying to bag them on the other side. You can just get completely confused and flustered. So he says, spread them out. Unless somebody comes along with a little divider and pushes all your stuff up. But thank you for that. And Kevin says, one of those scam clothing collection stickers for Ukraine came through my door in Glanmire. Can you please remind people not to donate to those scammers, says Kevin. That's all there are. And Pascal, from last week's conversation about a slimming injection where you can lose kilo after kilo after kilo by taking a self-administered injection once a week. Pascal believes that this new injection, regardless of what you say about it, is just going to help fat people eat more. Well, you know, you could well be right in that regard, but they call it a game changer. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. The criticism then of an ass. 
I saw one of them there. Isn't it? Is I thought that all males between the age of 18 and 60 were asked to require to stay in the Ukraine to fight, says Cahill. Yes, I've said this half a dozen times already. Surely be to God. Yeah, that's the law. Anybody between 18 and 16 who's Ukrainian. But Anas is actually from Morocco and was working in Ukraine at the time. Now, people are entitled to have genuine concerns about who's coming into the country and who isn't. But we don't want to be deemed as as being just racists because people will always be moving from country to country, coming and going, just like the Irish did. But unfortunately, uh, I have another story with regards to issues on buses involving children. A couple of texts on this from Friday's programme. One was a mother on air with me telling her her son, her nine-year-old son, was racially abused and name-called just because his skin is black. That poor bus driver on that bus has no business getting involved in what happened on a school bus. If he says anything to any of the children, the parents will be banging down the doors and giving him trouble too. Not worth it. Not in the job description. Stay out of it if you're a bus driver. Neil, as you talk a lot about racial discrimination stories and you always encourage people to share them, would you tell please of how a friend and I had the absolute living daylights beaten out of us one time for being white. As a result of the beating, I have a dead front tooth. I couldn't work for the following week because my black eyes. And since I teach kids and my friend suffered a a fractured ankle, we certainly couldn't go to work. I wonder if the influence of the music being played in the bar at the time had anything to do with us being attacked. It was the very wholesome part of American culture where all the words rhyme. And every sentence contains several mentions of the unmentionable word. I can tell you one thing. The music certainly wasn't American bluegrass, American blues or American rock. The racism thing works both ways, don't you know, says Dara in Blarney. For sure it does. And I never, ever said that it didn't. But I do have another story to share with you of another mother whose young child was racially abused on a school bus. In this case, it was her daughter. Morning, Ola. Morning. I Thanks for taking the call. I was chatting with Cynthia about the horrific um, racial abuse that was inflicted on her son by another child. I mean, you know, it, it, when I say horrific, it is horrific to use the N-word oh, or any kind of abuse like that. But uh, what, it, what I was intrigued about was the age in which this abuse was being shouted by eight and yeah, eight-year-olds. Yeah, yeah, they're only eight and nine. And it's just, it's heartbreaking to watch your child or listen to your child Tell me what happened. Tell you something like that. I mean, um, my daughter was um, on the bus, and oh no, she got back home. When my husband went to collect her from the bus, he was told by the supervisor on the bus that a child told my daughter that um, she doesn't like her because she's black. Okay, and this was one eight-year-old to another eight-year-old. Yeah, okay. yeah, this is one eight-year-old to another eight-year-old. Like they're not even in secondary school yet, and I, it's just. Awful to be to be told you're not liked because of the color of your skin. And I know. She's only eight. She's only eight. And let me just ask you: the 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 other child who said this was it a young boy or a young girl? A young girl. A young girl. Because it's Cin- a different child. Yeah. In Cynthia's to, case, it was a young boy who said it to her. He was son. a young boy. Yeah. So, like the bus service, they go from different schools, so they pick kids from different schools. So it's not even a situation that it's the same child that did it twice. This makes it so much worse. Exactly. And the bus service, like their their action towards it is just appalling. Okay. It's appalling. And okay. it breaks my heart to see that they're okay with that. 
and we were being told by one of the dri- one of the drivers yesterday that oh kids when they're coming back from school they're hyper and they're just blowing off steam. So unfortunately, some of the kids are on the receiving end of that steam. And and also, you were quoted as saying that the bus company said, or the driver, somebody said they can't control yeah. what kids say, and to some yeah, extent, to some extent, they can't. You know. Yeah, I know they can't control what kids say. We can't control what kids say. But as a parent, I know to watch what I say around my kids. Yeah. Because they are kids. They'll say what they hear around parents. And all we want the boss to do is just to send a letter out to say there'll be consequences for kids being abusive to other kids on the bus. And le- and what happened as sorry. And did they say they would do that? No. No, that's when we're being told kids are blowing off things. Okay. And let me ask you, in the case of your daughter, did she ever get name-called in school or outside of school? Was this one isolated... It's, in, yeah. It's not just... Like, with her situation now, she's been told, oh, um, black people are sensitive. She's come home to ask me, Mom, is it true we're sensitive because we're black? What does that mean? What does, did somebody say that to her? I, I honestly don't know, but for a eight-year-old to say to another eight-year-old, black people are sensitive, that's a word, that's a sentence from an adult. It is, isn't it? It is, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It is. It's a very, it's a big word, like you can't, a eight-year-old can't come up with that on their own. But was she ever, did she ever suffer racist abuse at school or out and about no, socially? she doesn't come home to tell me about that, about, you know, like, but these are all girls she, wants, she goes to school with. And what? these are the two incidents yeah. I know she said to me. Yeah. I don't know if she tells me everything now. Because an eight-year-old should be I, very should be very innocent. They're very young. They should have no prejudices yeah, in their yeah. head whatsoever. No prejudices. What did your daughter say when the girl said, I don't like you because you're black? She was very upset. She was very upset coming home. And like I said, the driver and the supervisor on the bus, when it happened to her, they were very good. They, you know, they spoke to her. They were like, don't, don't listen to the girl. She doesn't know what she's talking about. Okay, and well they, done, de- they dealt with it better than driver dealt with it and that's why I let it go in December it's when another incident similar happened that we're like okay this is becoming a pattern when on the bus you, yeah when you heard of yeah a pattern with the, on the bus by more than one child yeah okay okay and we just want a letter sent out to like I'll send you a copy of what we got please about do about their policy and it's just nothing about oh if you misbehave on the bus this is what's going to happen so when she said oh that's kids blowing off steam I asked her then I was like so kids can punch each other and you're gonna do nothing because they're blowing off steam there's a driver and a supervisor on each bus is there they're apparently, apparently. OK, you see, I suppose in defence of the bus company, they didn't expect to have to put into their policy statement that little children shouldn't racially abuse each other because they would I never have expected that. that to happen with children, you know. Yeah, and yeah, I understand, and we completely understand that. But now that it's happened, and we've made them aware know, of that situation, that's what we're saying. We're saying, okay, going forward. Going forward, you should have something in the letter you sent out. And if my daughter breached any of the behavioural code, yeah, if, and she's suspended from getting on the bus, then I know oh, that's our fault. Yeah, yeah. And do you think that the the school has a role to play in this? I wonder at all. 
the school, they do take responsibilities for this and try their best to speak to the student. But at the end of the day, it's not the school. It didn't happen on school premises. Okay. And, and do, you, do, you, do you, did you ever suffer any kind of racial abuse yourself here? No, no. I'm, I'm 30 years old. And honestly, I, that's what makes this so sad. That's what makes this so sad. I'm 30 years old. I wasn't born here. And I've never been told... I don't like you because you're black. You're black. Well, not to my face. I don't know if it's been said behind my back, yeah. but not to my face ever. Okay, okay. And my, the color of my skin has never been pointed out to me ever. And I feel like my daughter sometimes around here, she comes back, oh, black people don't take communion. So there are all these kind yeah. of remarks. Black people are sensitive. Black yeah, people don't black take people communion. Did. Black people, yeah. And I'm like, why is that comment being said to her. Mm, mm, I don't know. I mean, you could you, I don't know. I suppose through the eyes of a child, they might be inquisitive, you know what I mean? But it's hurtful. I understand, I understand it could be inquisitive. And that's fine. Like, that's not, that's not a problem. But being told you're not liked because, because of you're that, black. because of the color, because of the color of your skin. And can I just, just ask you, can I also ask Cynthia this question before I let you go? Where do you think children that young learn this behavior? I think um, it comes from the environment they're, they're being raised in. It's not from a My mobile daughter. phone, social media, what they see. I don't online. think so, because I, I, well, I, my daughter is not allowed on social media. No, but the, your daughter I wouldn't call people names. I'm talking about the kids that do the name calling. Do you think that they see it I, online, or I don't, are they learning I don't, it at home? I don't think so. I would be very surprised if a eight-year-old and a nine-year-old is on social media and learning that. I, I strongly believe it's the environment they have been raised in. It's okay. because kids, what they hear and what they see. That's what they go around acting out to other people. Okay. Okay, we're going to get in touch with the bus company and ask them to amend their policy and see if they might consider sending a letter out to all parents saying that this will not be tolerated, yeah, your children you could, will not be left on the be, bus. That would, yeah. be great, that would be great help. That's all we're asking for. We don't even want the kids offended or any, any punch. We just want a letter to the parents to say if your child does do it's not even just racial abuse any form of abuse any form of like antisocial behavior on the bus we want that we want that there should be consequences yeah you want want a statement made saying that this will not be tolerated gotcha okay we'll see what they have to say on the matter Ola thank you so much for taking the call thanks so much Neil thank you for taking the time to call us back bye see ya Bye. Thanks to Ola and also on Friday to Cynthia, both parents of young children, Cynthia's young son and Ola's young daughter. In fairness to the bus company, I don't really think that there's any more that they can actually do. This is just my interpretation of it because in their terms and conditions, which was sent to every single family who has a child on any of their buses, it says very clearly, and I don't think it would be put any clearer by the coach company in fairness, bullying and harassment for any reason will be not, will not be tolerated on the bus. Every school child has a responsibility to treat other school children and staff, um, members of our coach company, with dignity and respect. Then they also talk about videoing or taking photos of any sort of with any kind of device will not be tolerated on the bus, phones or electronic devices. They also talk about COVID and, and things like that, but primarily about behavior. So... It may not be tolerated, but what actually happens when there's name calling on a bus where a child makes uh, racially motivated comments about the color of a child's skin, uh, whether that's a white child to a black child or indeed vice versa, as I've been reminded of. Um, I think that's more to do with the school, perhaps, um, and also 
the families, the parents. That's just my own interpretation of it. Your thoughts are welcome. Text 0868104106. Back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Uh, what a busy day on Friday, particularly with the lead into Mother's Day with flowers to give away, a wonderful afternoon tea to give away as well done in the gorgeous Castle Marta Hotel. Well worth a visit any time of the year, particularly when the sun is shining. Didn't get to all of them, so my apologies to everybody who got in touch on Friday. I didn't get to read them all out. Francis Carney was one of them. Her daughter Amanda got in touch. Lauren Rice got in touch about her mom Lorraine. Um, uh, Lauren was in touch with me about her mom Janice. And then Kellyanne O'Flynn was telling me about her mom Suzanne. Uh, and there was another child, her son or daughter, telling me about her mom Colette trying to hold it together because her own grandmother passed away in January. There was just some lovely stories of love. And another one here from um, a girl called Anne McCarthy telling me all about her mom in Ballancolleg and the Leahy family talking about their mam down in Walshtown Beg in Middleton and they're just some of them my apologies for not getting to all of them one one though that did stick out to me it's lovely to hear those beautiful stories being read out on Friday ahead of Mother's Day but I was wondering if you'd please give a mention to those of us who have extremely bad experiences with our mothers a lot of us have had fractured and dysfunctional family dynamics for whatever reason the family unit wasn't healthy or indeed wasn't sane My narcissistic, unloving mother really taught me how to never, ever act towards my children. For that reason, I am very grateful. The hurt and shame are sometimes hard to navigate through, especially around Mother's Day. Don't give out my details, but mine was not a happy experience. It wasn't happy with your mother, and I'm very sorry to hear that. But look at what it taught you as to how to rear your own children so differently to how your mother did it and how beautifully you reared your children. So there was a, a lesson learned there. And if nothing else, that's nice. Um, text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. And my apologies, to, my apologies to Derek. I just didn't get to as many emails as I wished to last week. But he said, just, so bear in mind when I say over the weekend, I'm talking about not the weekend just gone, the weekend before. I needed to drop you a message regarding South Dock. <clears throat> we have a son who turned one last month, okay? One-year-old son. On the Friday, he was off form and not himself. A bit of a temperature. From our experience, we knew that the doctor would not see him without a negative PCR test. Now, I found that extraordinary. Is that the case? Are we still at that? We booked the test for 11 a.m. on Friday morning. The results for the PCR test came back to us at around 3 on Saturday afternoon. All right. He still wasn't good. We decided we had to get him checked out. We rang South Dock at four that afternoon. This is on the Saturday afternoon. And we were told the nurse would ring us back shortly. Nine o'clock, seven o'clock came. Still no callback. Called again, South Dock, and we're told we're near the top of the list for a callback. The nurse called back around half past eight, took details of what was wrong with the baby. She then told us we would be contacted by a doctor. All this stuff is happening on phones. Again, we were back to the same situation. We had no call back from the doctor. So at one o'clock in the morning, on Sunday morning, we contacted South Dock again to see what on earth is going on. We were told there would be someone contact us shortly. At 4 a.m. Sunday morning, the doctor contacted us. He then offered us an appointment to bring the baby out. At this stage, we had not long got the baby to sleep after nearly 12 hours of crying in constant pain. Rather than wake the baby and bring him to South Dock at 5 in the morning, on a Sunday morning, we were given an appointment for 9.30. I know it's not the doctors, the nurses, the staff of South Dock. Uh, They were all very kind. But our health system, particularly South Dock, is just nothing short of a not funny joke. 
a baby, a crying baby in pain for over 12 hours before he could be seen. We generally don't need doctors at South Dock. That's why I'm so shocked by how bad it is and how long it took. Turns out he has two ear infections and a throat infection. The lovely doctor we saw at South Dock checked him from head to toe and gave him an antibiotic. A long, long time for a very sick baby to wait in so much pain. Thank you. I'm happy to share your story, Derek. And uh, again, that's a, you know, nearly a week old now. I hope that your son has improved greatly uh, since you sent that email. But it does show again just how very, very shabby our health system is in so many different shapes and form. You know, we were chatting. I was sent a book in uh, last week. It's a beautiful color book uh, sent in to me by Rachel J. Cooper. Um, it's called Our National Anthem. And it's a children's book. And they're trying to start a nationwide initiative to teach families our own Navian. And it goes through the history of our national anthem. It's a lovely keepsake. And I think all families should have it. And it talks through the eyes of children. Actually, fabulously goes through all of our heroes. You know, the likes of St. Patrick and the Fianna and Cúchulainn and all of the lads and the Shamrock and the Harp. And why we have, um, why we actually have um, a national anthem in the first place. But it got me thinking, me included... How many people can actually sing the national anthem from start to finish? Hands up through the glass there if you can sing the national... One, two... Ah, Seamus and me. It's a generational thing, Seamus boy. You and me can't. The younger ones can. Uh, might have something to do with the fact that Claire is from um, Carrie Tool. And everybody down in Carrie Tool, I'd say, can sing the national anthem. Anyway, we talked to the streets of Cork. How often do you see footballers or politicians not singing along to the words of our national anthem? Uh, but how really, how well do you know Sheena Fianna Fáil or Sheena Lacra Fáil, as I think is the correct opening line. I've got the first two lines and after that I just fall to pieces. You might know bits of the chorus, but who knows how to sing? I mean, unheard of in America for somebody not to know the Star Spangled Banner or the Stars and Stripes. Probably be unheard of for an English person not to know all of the words of God Save the Queen. Anyway, Seamus, with microphone in hand, took to the streets to find out. I'd know, like, I'd be able to guess a few lines in it, but I don't know the words. You're just going along with it. Like, we never never sat down in class and never learned it. So I just want to learn to the matches. Like, you know, I, I, most people sing it don't know what it means, like, you know. Yeah. It's, it, it's a soldier's fighting song, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, but, like, most people just learned it at school and it's that thing. Like, they've never sat down and actually listened to what it means. We're grand and it makes everyone feel great and the music's great, but it's... If it was actually sung in English, people would probably actually... 99% of people don't speak Irish or understand it. I hear people saying it, obviously, in matches and what I like, but I wouldn't know it word for word, if you know what I mean, like, you know. You'd know a few bars, would you? I know a few bars, but I actually wouldn't know the whole exactly. Would you give us a few? No. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the hungover. <laughs> then there's a different anthem for the, the rugby. That's not, Ireland's call, yeah. Ireland's call, like, you know, so... And I wouldn't even know that either. <laughs> it's all I ever sent them, you know. And the same, like, I, I'm Irish and... I don't even know, yeah. Pasquega. Yeah, no, I don't know Irish, no, nothing about that, like, you know. How well do you know your anthem, Irish anthem? I don't know it at all. No? No. I literally don't know one word. I know, I do know, I know what it sounds like, but I don't know the words. <laughs> I know the start and I know the ending. What, what does it start like? What's... <laughs> the 
<laughs> Does it disappoint you that yourself that you don't know the full full lot? Yeah, but I'm not great at Irish, so that's probably <laughs> problem as well. So that's would you prefer something like Ireland's Call? No, I like the Irish version. I just don't know the words. And I wish I did. <laughs> yeah, we may get the vocal art. No, there you go, birthday present for each week. <laughs> no, you get about three lines in before you start to mumble. Just the first few lines, is it Chena Fina Fall? Toffee Allegaran, Queen Darslu. And then I start to go. And then shove Connie around the field. Yeah, absolutely. Are you disappointed that you, you don't know the full thing, or is, or is it a song that we, we shouldn't be singing anymore? Because it, it is a, a war song, a soldier's war song. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, there's an element of national pride in it. Um, would like that, but I'd be more disappointed that I don't know Irish in general than specifically the yeah. anthem. No. I'd be able to sing along with other people. <laughs> if you put me on the spot now, I'd probably mess it up. <laughs> and I think you're one of the minority. There's very few that would would know the entire thing. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, we learned it in school, didn't we? But I, I think it's just a generational thing that kind of younger people now don't seem to be taught it in school, or they may have been taught it in school and they're, they've kind of forgotten. forgotten. Yeah, maybe they just need to go to more sporting events, have a few sing-alongs, <laughs> bring yeah. it back at the end of the nightclub. <laughs> but as you were saying, like sporting events, you'd mm-hmm. see a lot of the footballers and rugby players just mouthing it. I don't know, though, I'd be a bit afraid to sing it out loud if the camera was right in my face, would you? <laughs> would you sing it in front of a microphone, there's no camera? <laughs> Absolutely not. No, I would have forgotten it all. We were taught in school, I'm sure, but I'm dyslexic, so I've never been able to remember it anyhow. <laughs> okay. I would sing the National Anthem in Crow Park, and I'm, but the words are up on the screen. <laughs> but you'd know the start of it, wouldn't you, or the, or the chorus? Yeah, no, don't ask me to sing, thank you. <laughs> she a good singer. <laughs> Would you know the uh, the full national anthem if you if, if you were put in the spot? Uh, no. I would know, but I wouldn't say no to you. <laughs> I do know it, but I'm not singing it. <laughs> you, I, I might you... sing it if I was in a bath on my own, but not out <laughs> of public area. I'd know the start of it and then I'd come in in the middle when I know a bit of that. And, uh, <laughs> But I wouldn't know it word for word from start to end. Yeah, it's a bit shameful, really. Well, no, I think there's a lot of people that actually don't know as much as you you know yourself. Right, yeah, yeah. Because I don't think they're being taught anymore. Yeah, yeah, well, we were taught the old Irish, I suppose. The GA heads would know it, alright, because they're going to matches. And, uh, when, uh, well, I don't know, I do watch them, and some of them sing it, and some don't. Yeah, they're kind of mouthing it. It's yeah. like shove yeah. Connie around the field or follow Shawnee yeah. around the green. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. And we have to be honest. Yeah. And so it's the start and the end that you both know, is it? Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. we'd be able to come in there now. Yeah. <laughs> Could you give us a few bars of it? Oh, no, oh, no. My voice now will be a I bit... I'd love to feed of all that tough and you're like here and all right, but it starts going downhill from there and then <laughs> we and our slew, you come in then at that bit and then... Yeah. Uh, but no, I wouldn't just know it. But I love it, watching it before yeah. a hurling match particularly. Yeah. I really do, you know. It kind of gives you a heart and uplift. I mean, it's a damn good national anthem, no matter what you say about it. Lenny says, I only know the last two words of the national anthem, and those two words are, come on, Ireland! (laughs) Many, many people in that Vox 
do not know the national anthem or they know the start of it. And I have to hold my hand up and say the very same thing. Sheena Fianna Fáil, Atáfé Aulagéran, Buin Dar Slua, and then I fall apart. Somewhere in there along it is the words um, Shantir or Shinshir Fasta which is a random line in there. I'm not quite sure where it belongs. Um, somebody in the Vox also said, wouldn't it be an awful lot better if we learned and sang the Irish national anthem in English? Then we'd all know the words. But that probably would defeat the purpose. But I think it's fair to say, by and large, you know, um, certainly from that, that Vox from the streets of Cork, people don't know it. Um, and should they know it? Well, what are we going to do about it? And that's the reason I started this was because um, Rachel Cooper's Rachel J. Cooper sent me a beautiful little coloured book. Um, and the whole idea is to get people and families to learn the soldier song, Our Own Navian. Rachel, good morning. Good morning, Neil. And thank you very much for having me on. Having a listen to that Vox, uh, you have work to do, I think, don't you? <laughs> well, you know, it actually doesn't surprise me because the more research that I you know, do and continue to do and that I have done for this book, you know, it, it actually doesn't surprise me because, um, you know, the inspiration for me writing this children's book was, you know, from the many rugby and GAA matches that I've attended yeah. in my adult life. Yeah, what do you see around you? Um, you know, yeah, exactly. So similar to everybody on your box top there, you know, I could maybe sing along the first two to three lines and then after that I'd kind of you know maybe mumble the rest along and look a little bit uncomfortable and then I just kind of noticed everybody in the seats around me were you know experiencing exactly the same thing. Why? Is it not taught in school? No? Well yeah I mean my personal belief is that it's not taught in the classroom often enough or, you know, in, in the home. So, I mean, it's not really that it is sung in Irish. It's more to do with the fact that it's not taught regularly enough in the classroom. So, you know, I think from the research that I've undertaken, um, it's actually down to that individual school and the individual teacher, whether or not they want to feature it, you know, for maybe once a year around um, St. Patrick's Day. But, you know, I, I don't think it should be dusted down. So it's not on the curriculum as such, then? It's down to the school or indeed down to the teacher? Yes, you're Okay, on, well, it's going it. to die. It's just going to die away, then. I mean, there, there is the, the worry of that happening. And, you know, I, I do believe that, you know, we, sh- we shouldn't allow this to happen. You know, we're the only country in Europe, from what I can see, that doesn't know our national anthem word for word. So, you know, we should, um, you know, embrace our anthem and teach our children how to how to sing it. And, you know, it's not just a matter of them being, you know, given a photocopy, a black and white photocopy, you know, once a year um, and teaching them that way. Like, we should be able to teach them um, in a more fun, engaging way. Like, you know, this, this book has lots of pictures and, you know, it's a, an easy text to read. There's a quiz, the word search, you know, to kind of... Um, Get them on board. Yeah, know it's got the book is beautiful. It has all the words of the national anthem in Irish. It's got it in phonetical Irish. If you don't even speak the language Irish, you can still sing it. It's got the translation in England in English, and it also has wonderful, wonderful stories of our of our past going back thousands of years, all the way through. You know, St. Patrick, uh, Grace O'Malley, the Pirate Queen, the Shamrock, the Harp, Cúchulainn, Fianna, people like that. It's a wonderful read. It really is. Gorgeous graphics as well. Thank you very much. But I'm just wondering about whether or not... Are we ashamed of it, do you think? No, I, I don't think it's that. I mean, for example, the first thing that I discovered was that I actually didn't realise that it was originally written in English. So the Irish version um, wasn't written until later on in, in 1923. 
So, for example, um, in the 1916 Rising, the lads would have all been singing it in English, and then it was later translated in, into Irish. So it's, it's, I, there shouldn't be this sense of being ashamed about it. I think that comes from the fact that we don't know the words, so we're embarrassed. Like, it's, it's what I went through as well when I didn't know the words. It's not that I didn't want to sing it. It's just that I, I didn't know how to. I didn't know the words. So, you know, we need, we need to kind of, you know, evolve from this change feeling, you know, and, and embrace it as our national. Yeah, I just think that we, we seem, we kind of have moved on a bit. There was a time, you know, when, like, uh, as pubs were closing, everybody would stand and sing the national anthem. I remember, even remember it when I was gigging in, in nightclubs, particularly in rural areas, you would finish the night and the last song was the national anthem and everybody would stand. It just all went away. Hmm. Well, I mean, I'm certainly not saying that we should, you know, reintroduce um, singing of our national anthem in these scenarios. I'm just purely saying that, you know, you know, maybe once a week or once every two weeks that the kids all sing it together. And, you know, then we can carry it forward, word for word, into our adult life and not be situations where, you know, we're at matches. You know, nobody knows the nobody words. Nobody knows the words. Yeah. I mean, if you look at yeah, the Super yeah. Bowl or anything in America... They all know the Star Spangled Banner, don't they? I think immigrants actually are people who are looking for a visa to live and work and raise a family in America. They are asked questions about it. They may need to know it all off at their processing period, you know, where, they're, where they sit down before they get their, um, you know, papers. Yes, yes. And I mean, I suppose from that perspective, it's, it's to make you know, everybody feel that they're included. And I mean, you know, reverting back to the book and, you know, to our Irish anthem, this is why I have included a phonetic version and the original English version, you know, because not many people, I mean, a few people in um, in national schools, their parents might know the Irish language. So, you know, we're a nation that's very welcoming and accepting of all nationalities. So it's a way to get everybody on board. And again, like in a in an engaging manner it's not just a, a black and white copy of words in front of you so you know I do believe that it's inclusive to all nations Something's wrong if we don't know the words of our national anthem no matter what way you spin this I think it was written you can correct me on this but I think Pat O'Carney was he a corkman? Um, well I believe that Padder and Patrick, Paddy Carney and Patrick, he, they, they were both born in the inner city of Dublin. Were they? Because I know that a son yeah, of Paddy Carney, I think it was a son of his, or maybe a grandson, taught in UCC. So maybe maybe they originated yeah, in Dublin. He, that's right. I think his descendants now um, live and work in Cork. But no, Paddy Carney and Patrick he were both um, brought up in the inner city of Dublin. Fairly fight and talk in parts of that national anthem when you translate it into English, isn't there? Or was that a couple of lines about cannons roar and um, in Aaron's cause, yeah. mid cannons roar and rifles peals, we'll chant a soldier song. Um, no more our ancient land and shelter the despot or the slave. Pretty strong stuff, isn't it? Well, I suppose we can look at back to the time when it was written. Um, so that was back in 1909, 1910. So, you know, Ireland was in a very different era back then. You know, it was a few years before the 1916 Rising. So, you know, we can understand not only with the Irish anthem, but for many other European and worldwide national anthems, why, you know, it, it mightn't be necessarily the words applicable now. Yeah, and is that one of the reasons why we've backed off it, that we don't want to be offensive to our brethren across the water? could be one of the only one of the reasons but however you know we can change this like we can make the words applicable for today and for kids you know who live in today's society like for example the reference to you know soldiers are we Sheena Fina Fall 
um, you know, whose lives are pledged to Ireland. I mean, in a way, we still are all soldiers. It's just what we're fighting against today is different. Could like, I ask you a question about that change. line, though? Didn't Dev change that from Sheena Lacrofoil? Well, I, I did hear you mention that earlier on. Now, I got the words from our own government website. Yeah, so but I think they originally weren't Fianna Fáil. I think Dev had a hand in that. I think they were Lacrofoil originally. They put ah, a, okay, they put well, a, that's, that's what I mean, it could be. My, mm. grand, my grandfather told me that and he was, uh, he wasn't a dev man, I can tell you. He was a Collins man, so maybe he had skin in the game back then, you know? Right, okay. But yes, I mean, we can, we can still say that we are still soldiers. We're just fighting against things like bullying and inequality and viruses. And, you know, I mean, another way of bringing the words into today's society, you know, when, when it's mentioned in the anthem, Harking de Ronnie Cohen, that means, you know, it's, it's a, regarding people from, you know, a land beyond the wave. And, you know, this can be seen as, you know, our tie to people who have left Ireland and, you know, those who are currently arriving and, you know, those who will arrive. You know, we're welcoming of, of everybody to gotcha. the wave, so yeah. to speak, yeah. you yeah. know. Um, text coming in already as to where people can get your book. Where is it available? Okay, well, um, I've set up a publishing company called Aberlin and you can purchase the book directly off my website, which is www.learnouranthem.ie and this will take you directly to the Aberlin publishing um, website where you can purchase it there. Couldn't be more straightforward. www.learnouranthem.ie It's a beautiful book. Is it expensive? Um, it's retailing at twelve ninety nine, and then postage and packaging within Ireland is €3. Euros. It's gorgeous. Um, and it's you know, gorgeous. It, it, it has been lovely to hear such positive feedback because you know, not only have I had interest from you know, Ireland, but people like from, and large publications from the UK and the USA. And, you know, it's funny, Neil, because over the weekend, I'm just there, I was posting off copies to Australia and New Zealand. So, you know, I was delighted with that and I was quite proud of that fact. I love the book. It says that the tricolour was originally presented to Ireland uh, by a small group of French women. What's that about? Yes, that's correct. So, As um, in our three colours of green, white and gold or green, white and orange, wherever you yourself, was French? <laughs> no, I mean, the, the three colours, as it says there in the book, it represents, you know, the unification of everybody living in Ireland. But um, yes, originally it was presented, um, it was made in France by a group of French women um, because France were very sympathetic with what Ireland was going through. Ah, the in the 1916 so, rising, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was actually before that, it was slowed, but um, yes. Yes, it was originally made by a group of French women. So, like, there's all these little anecdotes in the book that, you know, I didn't know. And it was, you know, really, really lovely for me to do the research and to find out all these things that I didn't know myself, you know, well not done. only yeah. about the anthem and, you know, the words and, you know, who wrote it, etc. So it, it has been such a lovely project for me to undertake. And can you sing it now? I can, but I'm certainly not going to on air. Ah, oh, dang it. I thought you were going to give me a treat of the Ash National Anthem. I'll have to rely on somebody else after. You see, this is it. We're ashamed. Why, why are we just embarrassed to sing it? No, I'm embarrassed with my voice. Ah, <laughs> good answer. Nothing to do with the words. I'll let you off on that basis. Well said. Thanks, Rachel. Cheers. Take care of yourself. Not at all. All not the at best. All. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right, keep those bye texts bye. coming. We'll come back to it after 11, our national anthem. And you can get a copy of it. The book, that is, www.learnouranthem.ie. So we got texts on that. And also, I think somebody, one or two, I think it's the kids would put us to shame on singing the anthem. That's all back after 11. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench, every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. New Year, 
New number for Neil. 0818-104-106. Ah, yes, indeed. You can text 0868-104-106 or send us a voice note or a WhatsApp note to 08. You can WhatsApp audio or text to 0868-104-106. So just on... Uh, the national anthem keep those texts coming as to why we don't know it why we don't sing it is it being taught are we just I don't know like uh, we just got too big for it or just we forget about our past are we ashamed of it or is it just laziness I imagine the Ukrainians would know their national anthem how many of us actually know ours anyway text 0868104106 Dan good morning good morning Mr. Fundival how are you I'm good do you know it any of it I I would um, it was one of those things again you were speaking with the other a while ago and you know when you used to go with mom and dad years ago down in the old Helm Hotel they'd, they'd do it at the end of the night so you kind of knew it not to be the odd one out that was when the event or the gig or the the exactly. bar was closing is it exactly exactly that and you know you'd, you'd go to a night out in the carry court or one of the, the dinner dances you know in years gone by and the, the set musician or the DJ would play some, you know, some of them would play it in a traditional sense, some would turn it into an ABBA remix and, you know, they, they'd all do something different. For, yeah, you know, but yeah, if you had a live band in a pub or a club or something or a hotel, they'd always finish if it was a two-piece, a three-piece, a trad band, you know, not, you know, all the way up to the Wolf Tones and what have you, and, and Finnegan's Wake, like they all did that. They all, they all finished gigs with... Absolutely, that's 100% true. That's 100% true. And now it is literally relegated to sporting events either down in the park, down in Parky Creek, Parky Rin, or Crow Park on, you know, GAA Sundays and Saturdays and whatever. And how many that's of those at those matches know the words of... I would Ireland? say if, if it was one in ten, it might be a lot. And do you think it Do you think it got watered down as well then because of Ireland's call or what? That's well, I, I, as I spoke to you... Got your, relegated. You know, well, well there, there's, I think that if, as I said to your producer, I'm kind of been brought in as the contrarian view, but I want to preface it by saying that I absolutely adore the Irish language. And, you know, my biggest regret that at 35 years of age, I can't speak it to the extent that I wish I could. But I think that the, what it boils down to is, is the relevance that it has in people's lives. And that's an indictment on the Department of Education and the Irish curriculum. But did you learn it in school, though? Irish. Primary school. I mean, I, I did. I did fourteen years of it. I did fourteen years in school, and I can, I, you know, I, I'd know if I was in a Gaelic area, I'd know enough to get myself out of trouble. But that would That's be not too bad, though. It's not but too I, bad. I, I know, but again, this is this is the point that that that, that I want really wanted to make with that. The fact that it's not known is because it has no relevance in the lives of the young people. It's not a language that lives. It's not a language that's used. Well, hang on a second. Tell the areas. French that. Like, tell the Spanish that. But, tell the Ukrainians, see, the Americans, the, thing, the English. Here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing, Neil. French, Spanish, Portuguese. That's the first language. It's used every single day. English is the second language. It's used for business and it's learned in schools. Excellent. But point. when they go it's home to mommy and daddy, they speak French. They speak German. They speak Portuguese. We go home. We speak English. And that's you know that's that's the truth of it. The language is doesn't live. In, in the sense that, and because it doesn't live... The anthem no, won't live. <clears throat> Are you and, saying and to me then, kind of an indirect way, that we should sing the English version, Soldiers Are We, Whose Lives Are Pledged to Ireland, that one? I, 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 I see, I, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think the, the direct translation, I don't think that would, that would work in, in, given the context of where we are in 2022 versus 1910. Oh, the words, you know, is it? No more despot yeah, or slave... And, and even at that, I think I think you know 
like Ireland's call is about unity and it was brought in because the lads in the north play rugby we play rugby as an all Ireland an island we don't do it for soccer and we don't do it for a lot of the other sports and I, I, I felt that it was a little bit more inclusive that it was it was a song about unity about Irish men okay. and women and okay. the, the, the people coming together as one so it's not fit to, for purpose are you saying in in I wouldn't well I suppose in, in, a, in a modern Ireland, the English translation, definitely not. Okay, all right. So the but, Irish uh, version of it, not fit for purpose in the world we're living in now. Do we need a new one? Um, my point would be that we already have a substitute. Why, why, will we, why would we be reinventing the wheel? So Ireland's call should be our national anthem. I think it would definitely be situational. I think for anything formal, governmental or dignitaries or anything like that, the Irish National Anthem played by, you know, the pipe band sung in traditional Irish for like official governmental events is absolutely fine. But for for sporting events and stuff that, look, sorry to everyone who loves sports in, in or, you know, around the country, of less importance, you know, Ireland's call would fill, the, fill that void absolutely. They don't perfectly. sing that and though at a ga match or hurling match or camogie match. I, you know, that would be that would be up. That would be up for the that would be up to the, the the committee of the GAA to decide for themselves what they want to do. I could hardly see them doing it. But again, if you think about it, you have you have teams from Northern Ireland that play in the All Ireland. You know, and, and But when and we have a thirty two county Ireland, I don't know when that'll be, hopefully when I'm still alive. Would it be? Would it have pride a place then, or on the no, I don't think so. Still be it, wouldn't, it, wouldn't, would. it would. It wouldn't be representative of True those enough. who are of British descent who live in this country. But meanwhile, we have texts from people like Cora Sheehy who says, "To be fair, I and most people I know just mumble a lot of it. An awful shame, yeah. isn't it? That we're mumblers." Well, as I said, it's, you know, it's up to each individual. I think, as I said, right. it's it, a bigger problem. Is that you know the Irish language as a whole has been relegated to irrelevance by an outdated curriculum that focuses more on mythology and culture rather than the ability to natively speak it one person to another. All right, okay. People can't speak conversational Irish anymore. Okay. You should learn. You know, you're only in your 30s. You should do I some kind of Believe a... me, I intend to. Yeah. Just... Uh, one of my, you know, I, my, my, my Irish teacher was Kieran in right here in Crosshaven and I, you know, I keep saying, I keep meaning to tap him up and say, Listen, the chance to kind of go one and one, so I can actually improve my skills. You know, yeah, whatever, whatever it takes, just get stuck in because clearly it's an issue for you, and you should learn. Oh yeah, no, I, I fully believe me. All right, cheers, Dan. Take care of yourself. No Here's problem. Sarah's you, son, right? Sarah's son is three years old. He's three years old. Lovely song. Did you make up that? Um, we, I hate Shabadio. We hate Shabadio. Don't you learn that? We, uh, I don't, <laughs> don't know what the lad's name is, but thank you, Sarah. 
You've got an inspirational three-year-old there. We've got calls on the way. Text 0868104106. Hold on there, Eileen. I'll get back to you in two seconds. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Ah, fantastic. We have Mammy Sarah. Sarah, good morning. Morning, Neil. What's How are you? What's Ben's name? <laughs> That's Ben, isn't it? That's Ben, yeah. Is he really three years old? Yeah, he's three and a half now. That was actually six months ago. <laughs> Who taught him that? Um, he attends Tiernan Oak, Montessori in Dublin Hill. He's there now since last year. And what he what he learns there, I don't even know half the stuff. <laughs> it's amazing what they do with them. Like we've had very few days where he hasn't wanted to go to school. He just loves it so much. That's a lovely song. To and can you can you sing it along with him? No, no. Why? <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't even remember ever learning it. And even when I heard him singing it. I had to turn down the radio in the car and think, is he actually singing the national anthem? And I was like, he's actually singing Irish. <laughs> was he in the back and seat away, conning yeah, away? Yeah, the back of the car, yeah. And <laughs> I was shocked. And like, even another day, he was singing a song about Australia. And I was like, how does he know? Do you know, he doesn't really tell us what he learns until we hear him say things that we know he didn't learn at home. Are they a lot more and nationalistic in the Gwales schools, would you say? But I don't, it's not actually a Gwales school, like it's just a Montessori, but what they learn, like I have a 10 year old in fourth class and he's just learning the national anthem. So like the difference from being in Montessori, you know, before you go to primary yeah, school, yeah. what they learn is just amazing and the teachers it's like their friends, like what they learn from them. He never, he never cries going to school. He loves going. He knows all his colours in Irish. Do you know, like even Patrick's Day, they had a song in Irish and he just knows like even the Irish flag. If you pass it, he'll say, oh, there's the Irish flag. But you see, you know, that's fantastic. I love to hear that. And I'm quite sure that way back in primary school, I'd say most definitely way back in primary school, I was probably taught the whole thing. But when you don't use yeah. it or you don't understand yeah. the words... You forget yeah. about it, you know? I know, I know. And when he was singing it, we even had to put it on YouTube to see, is he actually saying the words that are in the song? And he was. And he was, no. I, mean, I was listening to him sing there and it was, I have the lyrics in front of me, the words in front of me here. And he was yeah. spot on. Yeah, like even, you know, I know, obviously he can't pronounce everything, but for what he can do is amazing. You know, they're all, like what they learn from them, the teachers to be able to teach a three-year-old a full song in Irish is amazing, you know, it's hard enough to learn English when you're a toddler, but to be able to learn another language as well on top of that yeah, is yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Does RTE close down? It doesn't actually close down anymore at night. It doesn't go right through. The, there was a time where we used to close down at maybe 11 or midnight and it would close down with the national anthem. Do you, oh, ever, go yeah, to, do yeah. you ever go to a, a social gig now or anything like that where the national anthem would feature at it? Um, no, like I, I would only hear it now if my fiance was it was watching an an Ireland match, and even when you're looking at that, you can tell that most of the people don't even know the words. And he was watching one recently, and Ben was watching it just for the national anthem, <laughs> just to see them singing it, you know. And he he was like, I learned that in school, <laughs> you know. So 
like it's amazing like I like leaving him there every day I don't have a second thought and I walk away I've never met teachers like them they just where's that Montessori like, again before I let you go it's in uh, it's in Dublin Hill it's Tiernan Oak Montessori and it's just like I'm, I'm in awe of them all the time from what he tells me well, what he learns lovely to say kind things like that well done and fair play to you <laughs> and big time fair play to little Ben alright yeah, perfect. Thank Cheers. you. Thanks for taking Thanks. the call and sending us the recording. Cheers, Sarah. Take no care. No problem. Thank you. Bye. Eileen, good morning. Hello, Neil. Okay, what are your thoughts on this? Can you My sing the national anthem? Are... No. Why not? Sinna Finna Fall is as far as I can go. And even that's wrong, I'm told. <laughs> oh, whatever it is. You see, we learned it that way, Neil. Just a little remark you said there now. Does he understand what he's singing? We didn't understand what we were singing no, when we were going to school. Yeah. And the teachers didn't go through the words and tell us that we're saying Sinna Fianna Fáil means we are Fianna Fáil. You know, we well, Sinna Fianna Fáil is supposed to mean soldiers are we, but... I but don't, it isn't. I don't think Fianna, Fianna, I suppose we're, so, we're soldiers one time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I think with a lot of things we learned, for instance, the Santa Margo now that you sing as benediction, a long, long time since I was at Benediction. But we learned the Tanto Margo and the other songs that are going, and we just learned them by, you know, singing the words. But we didn't know what, we, I never was told what they yeah. what they. That meant. was the Latin, I suppose, wasn't it? The Latin, yeah. 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 Now, another thing that we do, I, I have to tell you this, John, because I told the other person I was on the phone. Yeah. I was at a funeral one time, and I was... My dad was friends with this man who died, but my dad died in 46, and this must have been about the 70s that I went to the funeral. And the priest was saying a decade of the rosary over it, over him. And he said, Hail um, Mary, full of grace, the rosary of Jesus. And we, we said the other part of the, uh, the, the half, the other half, the Holy Mary, you know? Yeah. And he said the next word, and he, every single word he went through, I really felt in my mind that they had to hold me back. Why? <laughs> From running over to him and say, would you say the prayers properly over my friend, please? <laughs> because he just would do him every Oh, he was Jesus. just rattling it off. Yeah, that, yeah, you see, he was doing it the same way now as other people learn the hymns and the prayers. Yeah, and I know, I know. So but the reason like, we don't sing it is because we don't understand it. We don't understand nice. it. So exactly, it's kinda, we don't understand We just need to make words. sure that it rhymes. We know the tune. The little boy there was knew the tune and he knew the sound of the words, but he hasn't a clue what he's singing. He doesn't understand what Maybe it doesn't have a place now in Ireland anymore because we have so many different people coming in from all these different nationalities and countries. Well, maybe the Irish hasn't, but there's a good... A lot of people are doing, working very hard get, to get people to speak it. Yeah. But you see, you could learn any language that way. Oh, sure, listen, I see black kids in primary school speaking Irish. It's fantastic. Of course they do, Absolutely. but you wonder... Chinese are kids learning, are doing it. learning things off by heart. The same that, as we did. That and I don't know. I asked somebody now, somebody who's very, very religious, extremely religious, because I maintain that the I believe in God and the Our Father and all those prayers are said, you know, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. They're rattled off though, aren't they? They're rattled off. Yeah. But I asked somebody who's very holy to say it and think of what she was saying while she was saying it. And she could not do it without pause, pausing 
to say it quickly in her head yeah. and then say another the, word. The only way you can get it out there is to run it. Rattle it off. Yeah, rattle it off. Good point. And we don't, we don't know if we even mean the I believe in God, which is almost... Pledge. Yeah, well, that's probably important to you, but unfortunately, not to everybody anymore now. You know, I say unfortunately. But they don't mean what they say then. No, the, but the prayer should be said in a way. But no, they, no, there, there, it isn't. The, that's not the point of it. It's just that there are more people now who feel that they don't have to pray; that it's not relevant to oh, them. Oh, that's right. I yeah. believe that you could sit in your own kitchen and pray to Our Lady of Lourdes. If you don't have to go, somebody, somebody said to me, "You have a great time when you go." Yeah, well, I mean, that's if, if it's your belief, but it wouldn't be everybody's you know, belief. I mean, well, it's a holiday for them, but I don't think you have to go to Knock or you have to go to Lourdes. Maybe I'm terrible now. People are saying, God, she's dreadful. I don't care if they do or not. I believe that you can be sitting in your kitchen peeling potatoes and talk to our lady. All right. Okay, well said. All right. Have a great day. Thanks, Aline. Cheers. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. This morning's conversation, you mentioned something about Kashmiri uh, or refugees from Kashmir. Kashmir is not a country. It is part of India now, and it always was. Now, a better part than before. Please, double-check your facts. Uh, Secondly, if you're talking about the different uh, areas illegally occupied by Pakistan, please address them with their proper name. My apologies if I did say that Kashmir was a country and, um, you know, I was just chatting with the fact that the point I was making the fact in the first place was some guys from the region of Kashmir, as you're saying, came in through Dublin Airport as part of the refugees from Ukraine. Firstly, they were male and secondly, they weren't Ukrainian. And that was the video that I saw at the weekend. Perhaps you saw it as well. Back after the break, text 0868104106. Ruth is standing by. Hold on there. Calling Red FM Studio? Call the new number. 0818104106. And and while you're at it, why don't we take all our monuments and dig up all our heroes who sung the anthem with pride? Ireland's call is just a stupid song. I think the point there is that uh, if you think that the national anthem is a thing of the past, then dig up all the uh, heroes who sang it and uh, blow up or tear down all of our monuments. Irish language is dead and good riddance, says somebody else. I'd love for you to develop that uh, thought, if you wouldn't mind. Eileen says, we should be proud of our national anthem. The English don't change, God save the Queen. Maybe Neil should read out, read out God save the Queen and see what people think of those words. And John in Mill Street texted, we were, thought our national, we were taught our national anthem in national school, and whenever it's played, I always sing it. And I will keep doing so. Well, fair play to you for still remembering it. Um, Gillian says, in response to the person that thinks that the Irish language is being crammed down our throats all wrong, St. Patrick's Day passed recently. It was also recently shocked in the Guelga. Also, it is our language. Every Irish person should know a couple of fuckle. I do think the way it was and still is being taught isn't fit for purpose. But there's a lot more love for the language now than, say, there was 20 years ago. Well, you're right. So let's not lose it. Most times the people who are shouting to get rid of it had a bad experience with Irish in school, but they shouldn't judge their experience on everyone else's. It isn't the easiest language to learn, but it's a fabulous language. The people shouting to get rid of it are probably the people that think ole, ole, ole is an Irish song or chant and that being sung at some kind of... And when I hear it sung as some kind of anthem just cracks me up. A lot of immigrants coming in are better at learning Guelga than the Irish themselves, says Gillian. Thank you for that. And back to the phone lines we go. Ruth, good morning. 
Hi, good morning. Okay, what are your thoughts? Can you sing the national anthem? I, yeah, I know the national anthem, yeah. Okay. Of course it is. Start to finish? I'm, I'm, yeah, start to finish. I mean, I went to Grail's School the other year and for my, myself, my daughter did, and she's doing her leaving set this year, and I, my son is going into school, to the Grail's School as well. I'm passionate about that part of life, I suppose. I think it's something we all should have. It's, we're Irish. Oh, where do you <laughs> so, get opportunities to sing it? Well, I mean, I would say, I suppose, at the forefront of everyone's mind is sport. You know, that's where we sing it, is at sport, I suppose. Right. But it should be um, more at the forefront of everyone's kind of events in life, not just sport. So why do you think it's not being sung? I mean, we did a, a vox pop there on the streets and the vast majority of people yeah. might know the first line or two. And that's it. And that's it. I suppose it's just not um, taught on a daily basis in the schools, I, I, and that's that's the truth of it. Like, I mean, it's not something that people do in schools, uh, whether it's an English-speaking school and an Irish-speaking school. It's just not a daily thing. Um, I do think, you know, it's a dying language, the Irish native language in Gaelic, but it shouldn't be. Who's um, Donica Baker? Is that your son? That's my son. Yeah. Have I got audio of him singing it? You do. <laughs> you do. There's a video there. Oh, it's a video, is it? All right. So I have the audio of the video. That. How old is he? <laughs> He's four. Let's have a listen. Come the day, come the hour, come the power, and the glory. <coughs> we have come to enter our country's call for the Four proud provinces of Ireland, 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 together standing tall. Go on, Donica. (coughs) (coughs) Shoulder to shoulder, I'll answer Ireland's call. Hey, Jess, he sings that with conviction, Ruth. (laughs) <laughs> he sings that, yeah, he loves it and he sings you, Grace as well. Do you think he that says, should be, do you think that should, that's kind of like the alternative Irish anthem, isn't yeah. it? I think it's the alternative, definitely. I mean, yes, you know, a lot of people say, oh, that should be our national anthem. Ooh, um, it does. Oh. I don't know, I, I'm a bit conflicted because, yes, while it is about our four provinces and, you know, our, we do have a country's call, um, it's not just for sports. So perhaps, you know, it would be lovely to have it in Irish, but like you say, nobody speaks Irish, so nobody sings it. Yeah, like does Donica, your four-year-old lad, does he sing mm-hmm. Aron Navian? He's learning it at the moment. <laughs> um, I suppose because of Patrick's day just going by and the Six Nations being on, it was just a focus of the week, the team of the week in school. He goes to uh, Christian, he goes to full-time daycare. So they were teaching him that one in school uh, <laughs> recently. So at the moment, that's what it is. But I do try, like, we, I'm teaching him Irish at home because he will be going in September to the Grail School. Well you know? done, well done. <laughs> I, I love, I love hearing small kids sing, do you? I think it's great fun. It's yeah, so I think it's great. I mean, and, you know, to learn even about our heritage, like, it's just so important, like I said, the Irish language is dying and it's cliche. Um, I wish it was taught better and more in schools, but you know, all we can do is if people have a passion for it, try and instill it ourselves in our younger people. Mm, no, I just got a copy of the book in last week and it's a beautiful little book, beautifully narrated, gorgeous pictures, super colours mm-hmm. and telling loads about our history. In fact, your lad would love it, Donica. 
Um, he would love it. Yeah, I might, I might post it to you actually if you like. Would you like a copy of it? Oh, thanks. He'd love that. Yeah, he loves books. He'd do a, a story before bedtime. <laughs> but I was just thinking when I was reading it, oh my God, I mean, she's so right to bring out a book like this because nobody knows the words. They just don't well, sing it. And I mean, people are going to, children are going to school and they're coming home teaching their parents, you know, the things that are, that are being taught in school. And sometimes, yes, the Irish language is being taught and they're coming home to teach their parents who should already know you would assume being Irish yeah, and went to school. I mean, we all have a couple of fuckers, but nobody's saying you have to speak it on a daily basis. But you should be proud of your nation and, and, and for many reasons. And I think you should be proud that we do have a, a native tongue and it should be sp- uh, spoken more. Good for you. Thanks for that. Cheers. Thanks for taking okay, the call in regards you. to uh, to Donica. Somebody texted me here, Kieran said, I, I don't know whether you know it or not, but azure blue is the national colour of Ireland, not green as widely thought. Azure blue. And I had a look then and Googled, what colour is azure blue? And it's kind of like the colour of Ryanair. It's kind of like, hang on a second. That the harp with the blue background. So I'm learning also this morning that our actual official colour isn't green at all. It's azure blue, which is kind of a lighter shade of blue. I don't know whether or not um, our 1916 heroes would be turning in their graves. But anyway, Frank. Morning, Neil. How are you? Did you know that the official colour of Ireland is actually azure blue? No, I certainly didn't. Um, like, and I suppose our national team is Rangers or something. I thought Fina Gale's colour is blue, isn't it? Well, they were they're obviously named after the blue shirt. <laughs> and and for and for good reason. <laughs> <laughs> All right, anyway, what about the national anthem? Do you play in a band? I did over the years. I'm well long long retired now, but I did over the years. What did you play? Trad, folk, what? Oh no, well cabaret. All right, so a bit of everything. A bit a bit of everything really, but what I was texting to you there is that over the years especially in GA clubs, we used to have to start and finish the night without on the vein. Right. Why start and finish? Exactly. That was always my thought, and I was wondering why. For for many years, now we just did it because we were getting paid to do it. But uh, I was told then, and it was very natural, that the GA clubs on, we say, Sunday night normally, were totally geared towards dancing. And by God, they took their dancing very, very seriously. So they got you to start with the national anthem, so the dancers could check your timing for their for their dancing. Right? What kind? Of, but like, and were they kind of jiving? You be what, what kind of? They weren't doing Irish dancing. Waltzes, yeah. Waltzes mainly waltzes and a few quick steps and that, you know. Yeah. But they they'd use the first national anthem to determine the. The band's timing, because everybody plays slower or faster or whatever. And, and, and the finish then was just standard, was it? The, everywhere the, finished. Oh, the finish was standard. Did everybody in, stand to attention then or face Absolutely. The... In every pub, every club, anywhere you played, you had to finish with Oran Livian. And, I mean, the likes, we said the likes of playing out in Blarney and the American tourists and that. Yeah. They used to be amazed that... The minute you started it, the whole place stood up, the whole place went quiet. It may not have been, we'll say, the bar would still be open, but there's no way you'll be served a pint during the national anthem. And the tourists just lap it up. 
loved it. And tell me this now, when everyone would stand silently as your band played the national anthem, did they know the words of it? They wouldn't be silent, that's one short thing. They knew and back, in, back in those days, they knew them. I was actually amazed when you said you didn't. Mm. Mm. Because you're like myself, you're an ex-man boy. Yeah, but I wonder did they teach the anthem in primary school in the man? Was it in the man? Oh by God, they did the Christian Brothers based in Indian. In primary school though. In, in uh, money, yeah. Well, you can go to primary school in the man, just secondary. They were oh, probably, they were probably assuming at that stage that I already had it. We never we never well, sang it in the class though. Um, w- we had one particular teacher. I was in the AG in the man the Irish section. Uh, well, you probably would there. Uh, and with one particular teacher, most teachers you start the class with a prayer. But Seamus Russell, I think he's re- related to the the Russell family from the bookshop. Right. He was uh, he was a fervent Republican, and he'd start every class with uh, our on the beach. He would. He really. He'd have to all the classes. Oh, he would. Uh, oh, he would. Everybody had to stand up and sing it, and back then. <laughs> I, it's down to it. All, it's all down to the education system. That's yeah, where it. Yeah. And when did it, evap- it when did it evaporate and go away? When did bands stop playing it? Oh, I'd say it was probably the early nineties, because in the eighties, it there was a big revival, I suppose, of Irishness because of the North, um, and after the hunger strikes and all that. And I think it just started to ease off then, early 90s. Yeah. Well, actually, a, a fairly, well, it's not a funny story you were mentioning there earlier about Carrie Toole. And well, however, I just mentioned Carrie Toole because it would be very nationalistic, wouldn't it? Not unlike, like Passage you, you, West you, would be proud of its nationalism as well. Exactly, Passage West, Carrie Toole. I remember walking in Carrie back in, or it would have been the early 90s, in a Norwegian factory. And the Norwegian owners sold out who it was a medical factory, they sold out to a British company. Yeah. And they sold out, we say, over the weekend, it changed hands. We all came into work on the Monday to see the Union Jack flying <laughs> up over the company. In Carrick In Carrick How did that go down? Well, I'll put it this way, Neil. There was a complete walkout of staff until they loaded. <laughs> because we said we were not putting our lives at risk for the sake of a flag going up in Carrick Tool. The butcher's apron. They'd have burned it down. <laughs> <laughs> so know? would you say that in the pubs in Passage they still close the night off in the pubs with the national anthem, would you think? I would, Im- I, I would or, imagine Or Carrick Tool so. for that manner, like? With yeah, the I, would Im- I, I would imagine so. And probably a lot of the country areas would up and down the country, you know. And you were talking there now about... Ireland's call, which I personally think is the biggest heap of crap that was ever written. Yeah, a lot of people um, aren't a fan. They just got used to it, though. Yeah, I think it's got used to it, yeah. But I mean, you go to any Munstrom at Snow and the main song is The Field of Atten Roy. It's not anywhere near Munster, like. <laughs> how, did that get, you know? how did that get taken on board, The Fields of Atten Roy? Uh, I, I, I'd actually love to know because, I mean, obviously, Atten Roy is in Galway. It's a great song, got, though. Maybe it's just yeah, the people knew the words. I mean, I mean, I mean, we only recently lost Pete that wrote it, like Pete and John. John. Yeah, yeah, he passed with it last week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, but I mean, if you go to a Galway holding match, none of the supporters are singing the things that are tonight. Go down to a cock one in there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it just makes absolutely no sense, like. Right, okay. 
All right, maybe that's what we love about Ireland. It makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> well, that's true. Let that's me talk, true. Let me talk to Chris. Care, All right, cheers, pal. Take care. Well, Chris, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. Oh, it's how make a mug. It's too fain. Oh, Chris, Chris, Chris. It's a kind of square, but my son and daughter refuse to speak back to me in Irish. What am I going to do about that? I don't know. I think the Coral is lovely. You need, you need to speak to somebody. All right. Well, you know, I end up talking to myself. Irish is very good. And I think that we should be aware that, you know, the, the um, a small bit, going back a couple of hundred years in history, especially to the penal time, the aim of the British was always to get rid of three, two things I'm going to say. And that was three things, the culture, the language, and, well, I suppose two things. The culture and the language, and they felt that the peasants. Uh, no, there was there was terrible. actually a third. I think you were going to say the religion, weren't you? Yes, I was the religion, yeah, big yeah, one. Yeah. And if they got rid of that, they got rid of us as a nation. Would you say that many people walking around, driving around in their cars now, visiting different counties, are going up over the county bounds across Mitchellstown or down West Cork, and they see a cross up on the top of the mountain, kind of half hidden? Would you think they know why it's there? I don't know. Isn't that where the... Um, it's where the penal uh, masses were. Yes. People had to climb the, the side rocks, of a mountain to go to Mass. The Mass rocks are very interesting. The mass they're rocks, all around yeah. us. Yeah, yeah. There's one up in Belnora, there's one down outside Glenville, and they're worth the visit, really and truly. But you come back to the National Anthem. I just wanted to say, I'm sure we all knew that it was written by Padre O'Carley, who yeah. was, incidentally, Brendan Boyers, Brendan, uh, Brendan Boyers, what's his name? Brendan Boyer uh, is music the singer. No, 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 Brendan Bean? Bean's uncle. Right. In 1907. And the air was composed by Pather and his close friend Patrick Heaney. Right? Mm. The lyrics were translated in verse by Limo Ring. And the, it appeared, it, the first time it appeared was the BIRB newspaper, Irish Freedom, in 1912. And the Irish volunteers adopted the song at their official anthem in 1913. Now, this man also has a small bit of justice. This man, Padre Carney, he wrote several other patriotic songs. I bet you know some of them. Down by the Glenside. Down by the Glenside. One evening so fair. Down by the Glenside. I know it. I do know it. Yeah, I do know it. Eric Abraw, which was um, probably not Michael Dwyer. And the tricolour ribbon. Well, so, yeah, all, I knew all of my hat a wearer. Uh, yes, yeah, that's right, that's right. So this is that the one, tricolour ribbon? It is, yeah. Right. All round my hat, I wear a tricolour ribbon all round my hat until death comes to me. And if anybody asks me the reason why I'm wearing it, it's all for my true love. I never yeah, I know that, yeah. My grandfather used yeah. to sing it, and my wife's there dad used go. to sing it, Ned Lenahan. Yeah, yeah so, see, but, so this man was quite prolific, yes, obviously. But uh, it did it just, is it no longer fit for purpose because we don't need it anymore? Those days are behind us. They were on the Yeah. Not at all. No? Well, not at all. I mean, these are things that identify us and, and make us... And put us above others, really. These are these are part of the tradition that we inherit. So why don't people forward, know it? Like really? you'd never meet an American who doesn't no. know the Star Spangled Banner. I stars well, and stripes. Not. I know, yes, but I mean, I think that there's a certain amount of the modern Irish people who feel that Irish is a bit of an embarrassment yeah, more than anything, I think you could you know? be right there, you know. I think you could and be right. And you know, they're mortified if, um, if, they, if they hear somebody saying Cullis Tawn to Arslan 
our, our grandma goods are just simple um, simple things. Yeah. They're a bit embarrassed. Yeah, well whereas said. I think it's a rousing song. Yeah, yeah it's well said. absolutely fantastic. I okay, think, okay. You know? I'm going to run out of time. Just get another couple of calls on this side of uh, midday and pick it up and everything else tomorrow. Thank you, Chris. Look after yourself. Frick, here we are with the represent. The jury's in Hi. for Passage West. What's the story? Hey, how's it going? I was listening to that. I was on my bike. But I just want to know, are you still singing it in the pubs down in Passage? See it in the pubs. They weren't even played at the end of the night down there, Neil. I railed up over that till a while back. <laughs> what? It's probably one of the most Republican nationalistic towns in Ireland. So, well, it's me. That's what I think. I think so. Yeah, wise men, you'll need, but not anymore. We seem to be losing it. But I asked them the, uh, one night, they said, oh, it was an evening session. I said, your man, are you on playing the national anthem? <laughs> uh, he said, no, we don't play it. I said, why? In case you insult someone is it or something. Yeah, what did he say I to know, that? Oh, we don't play it. Oh, we don't play it. Like, I mean, I said, you should be playing it when you finish up at the end of the night, I said. It's our national anthem. You should play it. And what, what, so what, that, who were you chatting to? Was it a two-piece or three-piece band or something? Yeah, two-piece band, two-piece band. Yeah. Half of them wouldn't play it, mate. And as I was in there that night. There was a fellow doing karaoke, like, and stuff coming to the end of the night. I had a few points. No, all right. Me, the same night. And I just said to him, I said, is he playing the national anthem? <laughs> She said, Frick, you're very bad tonight, leave it off. I said, no. I said, if, I said, I forgot you, he'd probably have the backing track to her. <laughs> Why didn't you take the mic off and close well, off tonight? I should have taken the mic off. Yeah. Can you sing it? Right, I can. Go on. Tina, Fina, Fall, a toffee, lake, a rin, Imagine if somebody just crossed the county bounds there now and just turned on the radio. Or somebody came in from overseas, maybe from, I don't know, Spain or came yeah. over on the holidays from South America. They turned the radio on and this is what they hear. <laughs> They probably think you should be locked up, probably. <laughs> no. You need to start a crusade down in, down in Passage West that all the pubs finish up with a rendition of Our On the Vian. Yeah, my, my, my crusade, there's normally banjacks, I'd say. <laughs> they're, they're right, we're just hanging in there with the rain, now what to say. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, Rob. the great freak. Take care of yourself, pal. He's just one in a million. Well done, pal, well done. Colin, morning. Colin's a DJ, or at least he certainly was a... Handy DJ. Oh, I'm, I'm still a DJ. I'm still a DJ. And he's uh, 40, 40 years now under the belt. <laughs> Do you still enjoy it? Uh, yeah, oh, big time. Big time, yeah. I'm down in the uh, Titanic and Cove. It's, um, and it's, it's such a beautiful place, you know. Um, I'm hearing a lot about so, the food down there. Is it right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And it's just like, and the cruisers are coming in now soon. So it'll be, okay. it'll be amazing. Okay, so but we know, of, we know that, of Carrick Tool, and apparently we now know that Passage West is not as Republican as it used to be. But Cove would be a nationalistic town, wouldn't it? 
Oh, 100%, yeah. 100%. Well, I'm not actually from Cork. I know, but, but you play yeah, there. I, Do you, I mean, so, anyway, go yeah. ahead. What point do you want to make? Oh, yeah, the point I'm going to make, I remember back in the 80s, um, you might remember the nightclub Crowjacks. Yeah, yeah. Remember down in Carey's Yeah, Lane? played there, yeah. Uh, yeah, I was there one night and a big fight broke out one night. I was at five to two. And, uh, I mean, it was a big fight. Like, you know, it was all the north siders and south siders were all getting together, a big thing going. And then all of a sudden, then I put on the uh, national anthem. And what happened? Everyone stopped and stood there standing <laughs> You stopped a fight between norries and sorries with the national anthem. Yeah, yeah, because in all nightclubs back then, everyone it always finished with the national anthem. You know what I mean? Always, no matter what. Just like, oh, my last song, great, no, national anthem, you know, because once the national anthem's over, you knew it was over, you know what I mean? I never, I never closed the gig off with the national anthem. Never did. In, in all the no, years, it was, no, weirdly, no, I didn't. I mean, I no, can't, I can't I always remember, remember doing it. Yeah. Always. But you could have been more of a, a kind of you, you were in you were playing in lakes of cocos and all That's, that by then. I don't think it would have gone down that. very well in cocos with Dominic <laughs> O'Keefe. I played. I mean, I played Newcastle West for years. I traipsed up and down. Yeah, like, it was like sixteen, seventeen hundred people. Yeah, I don't know if yeah, I ever played the, the national anthem. The talk at the Sultan for my another one I played down there the years ago as well, and it was um, all the national anthem at the end. But then it kind of it, it was com, com, a thing kind of near the end of the eighties, kind of died out. Then why know? did we get too cool for school or what? I think so. Yeah, it's the music was changing, and you know everything was changing, and you know fashion, and then it was, and then the, the kind of bars would stay up a bit later. You know, just trying to you know see how far they can get out of it before the guards will come in. You know, and when when it was coming near the end, did you ever get grief from anybody for playing it? No, never, ever. It's like that. That was the last song. Lights and all would come up as soon as you put it on. The lights would come up, and that was it. And it stopped the so, fight, did it? <laughs> Oh, it stopped, yeah, a lot of grief. It's just at the end of the night, then the lights will come on and that's it. Bang, go home. <laughs> but what happened? Did the fight restart after the anthem finished? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. And I, I'll always remember it because it was my... It, I, I was only I, was 15 or 16 <laughs> and I was teaching in a nightclub, like... And um, it was just at the end of the night when, when i just seen it happening, I said, like, it's 5 to 2 now. I'm supposed to finish at 2, so I just put on the national anthem. As soon as I put on the national anthem, the lights all came on and everyone stood there singing uh, yeah, it. And that well, was it. Yeah. And then yeah. they always give a clap at the end then, you know? Yeah, so anybody that was fighting before was probably hugging and crying tears of joy <laughs> after it. They were everybody, everyone's <laughs> friends. Yeah, you never know. You never know. There, like back then, there, there were the days. It was like, do you remember, like the, the times that you go to a, a, a nightclub at the, uh, on a Saturday night? Everyone works hard all week, and you go into a nightclub on Saturday night. The bar closes at twelve. Then in the in the club. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Happy days. Listen, great to catch up, Colin. Cheers, pal. Lovely. Take See care. You, take care. Take Bye-bye. care. Look to what a voice. What can you say about that voice? Frank Sinatra, the way you look tonight. If that was your chosen wedding song, get darling now on 0818104106. You'll be one step closer to a 15 grand prize with Best Menswear, Michelle the Jewelers and Cinderella's Closet. I'm racking my brain trying to work out what was my wedding song in 1992. I think something in the back of my head is gnawing away at my brain saying it was Rhythm is a Dancer by Snap. I still love that song. I know it's not the most romantic song in the world, but that rings a bell. Anyway, back after the break. 
Call the Neil Prenderville Show now on the new number, 0818-104-106. Yes, indeed, we'll pick it up in the morning. I love that story from Colin, the DJ, breaking up the north side, south side fight in Crojacks in the 80s by playing the national anthem. Other people were talking about different anthems. Neil, you mentioned the Fields of Athen Rye. Well, that is the official famine anthem in Ireland. Well, you know what? You probably never said a true word because there's a line in that about stealing Trevelyan's corn. And he was one of the most nasty, evilest people that were ever put on the planet because he at the time in the 1840s would have been the uh, British Empire Minister for Trade. And he was the guy that created the term laissez-faire. He said, I know people are dying, I know it's terrible, but you can't intervene in any way, shape or form with the natural course of commerce. He was bad news, that guy. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.